What are we going to call this? The female birth of a nation? How are they going to know the difference between the 2016 birth of the nation and the 1920s? I mean, it's pretty much just white and black people just swapping, right? Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> the problem with Harry Potter fans, besides the fact that they're Jewish, um, is that... I see the entire film as trying to, like, lionize Nat Tucker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? (laughs) The story of of Nat Tucker, the real-life historical... Fuck it! God damn it! Uh, Nat Turner, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I'm I'm not, like, jumping over, like, oh my god, I didn't know about this, can't wait to go see it. Gotta see my Nate Tucker. Gotta see my Nate Nate Turner, fuck you. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we're discussing the Nate Parker film, which is 2016's Birth of a Nation. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into episode 85 of Film Tank. I know, right? It's a big number. We're getting so old. I know. Soon we'll be doing an episode on Predator when we hit triple digits. It's exciting. It's so true. Mm-hmm. I still have never seen Predator. What? Either. Oh, look We're at saving till then. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I'm pledging myself to Tucson because that'll be <laughs> that'll be like right around February next year. So we'll have to break. Uh, that'll in. be Tucson's February, February favorite. favorite. Yeah. Don't just choose it for me. I might already. No, choose I mean it anyway. it's yeah, already yeah, been chosen. So. Just, whatever. <laughs> well, there's four slots. This can be Tucson's second favorite. And there you go. Yeah. So on this episode, uh, oh, by the way, Nick Cheney, Tucson Egan, if you didn't know those two voices. Hey, how you doing? Hey, hi. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. Yep, me too. I know you are. I would hope so. You guys have been here for a shitload of episodes, oh, obviously. Yeah. 85 so and then so true. a bunch of bonus episodes. Although Tucson wasn't here for the first one. I was going to so. say, you're looking at the 85 club over here on Alex and Nick's side of the table. Have you missed any episodes? The 84 Nick? Club is over it. No, I've Act- been in every episode except for the one you and Kenny did without me. Actually, the I'm in the but, but every bonus. numbered episode you've been in. Yes. My number is 83. <gasps> That's I wasn't right, because you weren't for, the- for There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. But me and Nick still right. have been on every episode. I mean, the, the thing is that you cheat because you'll never not be on an episode because well. you essentially... Uh, have rights to the property that we record uh, on, <laughs> and you have the equipment in which we record on. This is all true. I mean, so, theoretically, I could not be on an episode. That's true. But so far, I have I have been on if every one of If me and Tucson ever uh, want to talk about an anime movie, we'll invite you over to, to open up the house. <laughs> and I'll set up all the equipment, and I'll just let you guys go, there and I'll go. go sit and watch a baseball game or something. <laughs> yeah, that sounds I, good. You know what? We should do that one day. All right. Yeah, I like maybe, that. Maybe yeah. next year when there's baseball on again. <laughs> yeah. Is that over already? I mean, no. no. I, I the say, short the, answer. The, we're Chicagoans. We should I know this. I was going to say, the, the Cubs uh, 
are now in the National League Championship Series again. And, oh, boy. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. I, have, I ain't uh, afraid of no goats. <laughs> did you see the Bill Berry t-shirt? It was so cute. It, 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 I don't know if it made me angry, but it just made me cringe <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like when I saw the Lakers game from about three or four years ago. And it was right around Halloween, so it was early in the year that season. And Jack Nicholson was wearing a black sweater with a bunch of pumpkins on it, and all it said was Jack-O-Lantern on his shirt. <laughs> oh, come on. That's wonderful. <laughs> it is adorable. Oh. And I was like, this is a person who probably is pretty close to living in a retirement castle somewhere. <laughs> so. Look, he maxed out on all his coolness like in the 20s and 30s, and now he gets to be... He the gets 20s and 30s? Yeah. What? Like, like in his 20s and 30s. Oh, Sorry. I was going to say that. that <laughs> like in his 20s and 30s, and now he gets that to be... That was Prohibition, Jack. <laughs> Anyway, this is really prepping us for our. Uh, what did you think about World War One? <laughs> Ages. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, you know, not that exact time period, but old times and you know, slavery. Uh, we are talking about Birth of a Nation today, the uh, wildly unsuccessful film uh, directed. That written... is putting it mildly. Yeah. I mean, to I guess we won't talk about it now because yeah, I won't. We'll, but we'll get to it. There's a lot to talk about, even just yeah, about its Sundance story and its road to here. And and still, it's it's uh, a, not I would say every critic because it's definitely not, but it's gotten a pretty solid overall critical um, rating from critics. So would we be doing this episode had you and me not seen it at Sundance? No. Okay, I was gonna say because. I would not have really had an interest in seeing it, um, and none of these reviews would have certainly made me want to see it, but because you very much enjoyed it at Sundance, you yeah. said we were going to do it, and, and that we were, especially because we, after we had seen it, we wanted to see Toussaint's opinion on it, yeah. um, because he's not like us. <laughs> yes. Uh, By that, if, he meant if, we, you if didn't you, see if, it at Sundance. If, if you were, if, like, <laughs> listener, if you did not know... I am black. Wait, don't say it. Uh, we just lost half our target. Audience. I am a black African-American <laughs> Negro. <laughs> you should have loved it. For our audience, I am And a I am a black. <laughs> Sorry, I was doing the Spartacus thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. This yeah. is basically black Spartacus. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. I'm like, not not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, we're going to get into but more. But was Spartacus mentally ill? Oh. We're going to get into more about Nate Parker, about Nat Turner, about Sundance, about Birth of a Nation. About probably. slavery and the economics of. and a- About Rogue One. Well, that's oh. what we're going to do right now. Yeah. So that's why I was teasing, but oh, that's yeah. fine. Thank you, Chisant. So anyways, about Rogue One. Uh, we are recording this on the 13th of October, and the new Rogue One trailer dropped early this morning. And uh, Disney uh, definitely wanted people to know it was dropping this morning because they sent a tweet out about it last night at like 8 p.m. So I watched the trailer twice and um, it looks great. Like in terms of like the visuals at least and uh, some of the things they've been able to do with both the Death Star, the Star Destroyers, um, a lot of the vehicles, also the landscapes. This, in terms of uh, just uh, a visual looking, this is a great looking film from the trailers. 
Uh, the story, the jury is still out, in my opinion, because this looks like it can be pretty sloppy. Um, but I'm intrigued. And um, I think probably a lot of other people will be, too, in a, in a year that has been a total um, disaster at the box office on a wide scale. It'll be interesting to see what this film does and what the critical feeling is on this from both uh, the everyday viewer and from critics. Movies so. movies have made money this year, just not enough to really go all in on these sorts of properties that have cropped up over the The fact year. that The Jungle Book is like the third highest grossing film this Ooh, year fuck. Is, is not a good thing. Man. Yeah, and, and, movies and that, really that, need to get back to the bare necessities of, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and I like The Jungle Book. I thought it was a good movie. I still haven't seen it. It's probably okay. <laughs> it's um, good. It's, it's a good movie. It looks good. It's it, it, it did things correctly in terms of making the right decisions about how it operated its narrative and its uh, visual structure. At the same time, though, the fact that that film in this day and age is the third grossing film worldwide this year is a problem. I will say one thing really quickly about the Disney live-action trend right now is that I just realized that I feel like I'm only going to go see them if I had some kind of emotional attachment to them as a child. So you're saying you might go see Beauty and the Beast No, I will go see Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ah, you. Um, So I get, you know, but if I didn't really like that movie, which I saw every Disney movie when I was a child, but the Jungle Book was never one and that I really kept putting on or whatever. Um, But, yeah, I don't know why I just mentioned that, but... uh, That's okay. That's fine. We all have our moments. We do. So what did you guys think about the Rogue One trailer? I, I enjoyed the last one, specifically the one scene with... Um, I I can't remember her character's name, uh, but the but the main character, Other Ray, <laughs> yeah, uh, Felicity Jones, uh, walking out onto that like plank thing, and the uh, Tie Fighter just slowly coming up to her as she's standing there. That was really something. And the beach landscape is something we've never seen in Star Wars before, so it's yep. trying for a different site. That's definitely the most, uh, at least in my opinion, striking uh, visual for me for both trailers of seeing the beach. Because I think Star Wars and the locales are so defined by the iconic visuals of Hoth and Endor and, you know, fire. Tatooine. Yes, yeah. and, and sand and whatnot. Yeah. That we're finally getting a, uh, you know... the tropical sort the of. disney cruise version it's gonna be it. great when <laughs> i was just gonna say it's gonna be great when some asshole stormtrooper just goes and kicks wilson the volleyball off uh-huh. into the distance oh god <laughs> i liked uh i like the the short scene that we had of uh mads michelson um talking to a young ray and like finally learning about what his role and all this is because a young ray <laughs> sorry a young oh, uh, you. felicity felicity jones do we even yeah. know her name i don't think i think we do uh, yeah okay. I'll, I'll look it up Okay. No, it wasn't a young Ray. Sorry about it's, that. It's uh, Jin. Jin Urso. Yeah. And her father, Jalen Urso. Oh, boy. Yeah. These names. And Mads Mikkelsen is playing the father? Yes. He's playing the father who is... That's really... so funny that he revealed that in that interview, and it seemed like he was getting in trouble, but then they pretty much revealed it in the trailer. Well, in this ma- trailer, in but, this trailer, but like, right, yeah. you weren't supposed to know yeah. that until... like He didn't appear in the last one, though. This was no. his first... Right, but he has said it when somebody had asked I, him. I remember, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I don't think that was necessarily like a like a bad Matt Lauer reveal. It was just jumping the gun of information that they were going to already yeah. tell I people. don't think Disney gives a shit. Yeah, whatever. If anything, they're probably, oh, good, we got tweeted <laughs> about. Yeah. You can monetize that. But I thought that the, the trailer looked 
good. It looked as well as the the other two. I really liked seeing um, Forrest Whitaker's like robot legs. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's like I'm I'm looking forward to this like the what I've read about this film and like going into it, I'm going to see it most as sort of a a revolutionary. Like 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 a, a low level revolutionary war sort of scenario, like not like revolutionary war, not but like, like a revo- the revolutionary. Like, no, not like the, the revolutionary. I'm talking about a revolutionary. What was like- that conflict? Oh, oh god! So it'll tease for later. Up. Yeah, just throw back um, just a little bit. But also like a heist film. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Forrest Whitaker's character just go crazy. The nose plays. Well done, nice Ocean's Thirteen reference. <clears throat> thank yeah. you. We thank have got to do an episode. Rogue on Rogue Thirteen, am I right? Sure. We've got to do an episode on the informant sometime. Oh, yeah. man. Maybe January. That we need to put out like four hours of time. So that way the first two hours can just be you and me quoting the entire time. And then we can get down to actual talking. Right. That yeah. may be our most heavily quoted episode since The Big Lebowski. And that's an early episode. That's like Wait. episode seven. What? If we did an episode... Oh, you mean it may be... Yeah. I, for a moment, I thought you meant we already did it. I'm oh, like, no. When did we do it? Yeah, no. Okay. If we did an episode you. on The Informant, it would yeah. be a lot of quotes. It would, and for good reason. <laughs> Anyways, back to Tucson. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this film. Obviously, I enjoyed the few little snippets that we, they showed of Darth Vader and how he's going to be incorporated. Like, hinting at, at what his role is going to be in, in the broader film. A bad guy? Yeah, he's going to be a bad guy. He's going to be there. He's going to be looking at the Death Star and he's going to be like, oh shit, somebody stole your shit. Oh no, I guess I'm going to have to choke you now. It's like, oh well, I'm going to have to take this Death Star now, whatever. So at this point in the timeline, are Luke and Leia alive? Yes. So they're, they're alive, yes. obviously, but they're just... Uh, yeah. Now, Luke is often he's Tatooine. On, he's on Dirt Planet. Right, 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 Completely right. unaware, apparently. But he's got to be like a child, right? Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a child dirt farmer now. It's really hard to, to grasp we'll the exact more. timeline. Right. Yeah. I just really hope Darth Vader at one point just like looks out the window at the stars and goes, I just wish I knew my children. <laughs> no, <laughs> and I, I hope that no. they're not fucking right now. <laughs> Luke and Leia had not even met each other at that point, so yeah, they're not. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's like an old boy situation. They had met, but Vader oh erased their memory and oh then just sent God. them out Luke into the and wild. Leia would not be children, I presume, because they're actually stealing the planets of the Death Star, and this was actually very recent as to okay. the events. Yeah, of no, I was going to say this has got to be pretty close. Yeah, in fact, I think there's a good possibility that this film ends with where I hope so. so- where you hope it ends with where episode four begins, but we'll see. Mm. That would be interesting. Um, yeah, I, as far as my impression, uh, if Tucson, are you... Uh, yeah, go for it. My impression of this trailer was that um, in relation to the first trailer, I was not really a fan of the first trailer. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit, somehow, despite the fact that I don't like Gareth Edwards, despite the fact that I don't care for Star Wars in general... Um, this trailer actually excited me, and it wasn't just the Ben Mendelsohn effect, though that was certainly a part par- of it. Part of it, <laughs> I at least like that he got to spoke in the trailer. He's he's he was given the right role. Oh, he was, and that's why I just hope that there's more of that in there. And I think that'll be a much more <clears throat> excuse me, that'll be a much more fun role than something like what Dom Hall Gleason got to do in uh, Force Awakens. Oh, he was terrible in that. I I thought. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think he was really given much to do. But, yeah, but, but yeah. still, with what he was given, right. he did not yes, succeed, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, early on, because I actually think the first 30 seconds of this trailer is tremendous. Uh, early on in the trailer, when we see the kind of foggy 
farmy atmosphere with Ben Mendelsohn and yes. the rest of the warriors, whatever they, those kind of troopers are called, walking through. Oh, man, that's fantastic. That was pretty much the moment when I started to at least entertain the possibility that this will not be the Star Wars that we know. I mean, it's certainly set in the universe. It certainly connects to the story, but that hopefully Gareth Edwards can create something that doesn't follow the exact uh, Lucas templates of, uh, of, you know clearly lit scenes and uh, bright uh, and transitional wipes and all that, you know, like that this could be something a little different and a little more visceral. And one of my favorite shots to me entire, besides the one you just mentioned, is actually just very subtle and it hints at possible, at least the possible intimacy that might be here, which is, um, I don't know, I think it's Felicity Jones' character is in like some kind of jail and you just see the stormtrooper meander across the doorway like, that little thing right there, I just felt like I haven't. There's a, there's a chance that I haven't seen this Star Wars movie yet already, and that's what makes me excited to see this movie. I would love uh, if it didn't involve all the wipes and the mm-hmm. and the kind of music. I mean, the music all... they, the music that was used in the trailer was very different from the yep. usual Star Wars music, and was also fantastic <laughs> in terms of trailer pacing, which is something that I'm all for yeah, the, but... the 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 new trilogy following the footsteps mm-hmm. and whatnot. But the whole point of at least the possibility and why I'm still kind of excited uh, for the spinoffs is that I really hope that each director can really bring something uh, different. And I mean, there's a whole fucking galaxy out there. And for all my complaints about how even the trilogy that started is a little too reliant on its past trilogy, like that's going to be double the case here if it, if it falls into those traps. So I, I definitely agree with that. I, I really wanted to fall into a model that different. I'm, Star Wars is such a large and, and wide-spanning galaxy franchise universe. It, it's it's multifaceted with so many. Some of the best stories told in the Star Wars universe are not even on films, but rather are like through the ex, the old extended universe, or even from some of the video games. Yeah. From like, I've also heard that the the TV series The Clone Wars is supposed to be really yeah, good, and it, so there's so much lore that they can pull from that. It'll kind of pain me to, to if we go and watch this movie and it's basically the Death Star, the prequel. And I understand that that's certainly going to be an element here, but I want to be I want it to be the untold story of the Death well, Star. I, I think there are things here that the you're, unauthorized. What the fuck is up with those exhaust ports, man? What is up with that? I mean, we, we've talked about it, and I've I've already given sort of my personal feelings on how I'm concerned that the Darth Vader situation here is going to be completely botched, which is, is not necessarily definitive, but I've, I'm a little concerned about it because this is like Disney's one big chance. Cause obviously they could throw him in anywhere else, but this is the one place where he fits yeah. Yeah. where Darth Vader should show up and he can show up. And I feel like if you use him properly and give something to fans, who have since Return of the Jedi, for the most part, a lot of people have like been wanting more Darth Vader if they could get him and not given hardly anything. The use of him in uh, the third prequel film was a complete laughing matter uh, with him laying up and doing the no thing. That was the entire trilogy, really. Yeah. The entire prequel <laughs> trilogy, let's be honest. But... And, I mean, there was really nowhere else to put him, yeah. and this is your one chance, and I'm a little concerned that they're going to fuck it up. And I, 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 I was going to say, they don't have a good track record with Darth Vader uh, as well, far as... Af- after the original films. Yeah, but that's still 
and I know it's Lucas, and I know Lucas isn't clearly not like involved, so to speak, with the new narratives and all that. But um, so that's why I think it'll be okay. As far as we we we've all learned what we don't want to see with the character. Yeah, but but yeah, will he be underutilized? Underutilized slash um, wasted. Not given the the sort of moments that people are going to want to see out of what is undoubtedly one of the top five most iconic characters in film of all time. I will say one thing, to your credit, as far as what I could be looking forward to uh, Darth Vader's possible involvement, is he is certainly one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic villain in film history. Mm -hmm. And even if I don't have a personal attachment to him in the universe, so it's not really him or whatever, uh, part of that is because he's essentially the antagonist in a series about good and um he's and an it, antagonist who at well, the know, same time at the, changes, at, the, at the same time changes the fortune of the entire series at the end of it true but what yeah. i was referring to as far as like and he's he's what our heroes are up against so he can't do too much damage to our hero now there are some good stuff as far as luke's hand and you know other <sighs> stuff that, yeah but i i at least if okay if they are going to use him and this is a prequel so to speak and this comes before our beloved heroes enter the picture if he can if they use him to the point where we get to see how he not became Darth Vader, but became the most feared whatever, and we see just how little mercy he has. Against... Well, we've seen him murder children massively. <laughs> Younglings. So, yeah, well, I, no, mean, I mean, we, there's really no much... I'm not saying that it would be new information. <laughs> I'm saying it would just be a better representation of that ideal. Yeah, no, I mean... The, a more threatening <laughs> version of... Uh, of uh, what's his name? Hating Christensen. In my opinion... Uh, we need to see him murder babies with an yeah, iron. There it is, like in Pride and Glory. <laughs> what the fuck? No context for the audience because this is something we were talking about before. Would it just be a lightsaber iron? Nobody has a context, even if they've seen that movie. <laughs> um, no, I mean we need to see Darth Vader a his dick use his lightsaber. Oh, does he have a dick? I would assume so. I would not I assume know. so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right, what I'm talking when about. he that's why he wears a suit. He's he's a burn victim. He's one of those guys who wears a t-shirt to the beach. He's the beach t-shirt guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Darth Vader really goes to the beach a lot. Getting us back on track we here. We see the beach in Rogue One. I don't know why you're fighting me. Getting us back on track here. <laughs> it's swimwear? Jesus. <laughs> if we don't see Darth Vader's lightsaber, and we don't see some sort of lightsaber <laughs> duel. No, for real. I mean, I, I, I can't I, take that seriously. I know, yeah, I know I you know. can. I know <laughs> it's you can. It's a euphemism. This movie. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> Sean Connery now? No, Spaceballs. Oh, okay. Uh, I see your Schwartz is as big No, I, I just anyway. the way you said it. I'm sorry. I, know, I was trying to do like a voice modulator thing. It didn't work out. No, man. it didn't. So, <laughs> in my opinion, no matter what the film is, because that's the problem, yeah. is like we were saying, Nick, we have a completely new universe that's been created here in Star Wars, which is for the most part unprecedented. Yeah. And you have one of the most iconic villain it's unprecedented characters. unprecedented on film. That's the big thing. Right. There you go. That's that's correct. Yep. And we have one of at the same time one of the most iconic characters slash villains of all time in here. <laughs> yep. If you completely Which is the character that Ben Mendelssohn is playing, right? Because it's gonna join the ranks. If you completely fuck up the Darth Vader thing, I think it spews over into the rest of the film no matter what it is. Yeah. So I I d I don't I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm, it'll be it'll be interesting to see yeah. if this marketing is at all accurate or represented rep- representative, whatever the fuck that would be, uh, of his actual screen time, or if they're just playing coy about the fact that he's going to be like the Han Solo in it. Well, and, and I've I've thought that they're that they're saving his big moments, which makes sense. Uh, but at the same time, the couple times we've seen him in the trailers, it has not um, not been very inspiring. But do we? Oh, sorry. Maybe they're maybe they're just really fucking smart, and they're just saving all of the big moments that people are gonna just salivate over. So, yeah. Yeah. do we know if uh, is James Earl Jones? Yes. Yeah, good. Yep. Good. Mm-hmm. He recorded the audio. Is for he allowed? His voice. Is he allowed in the suit? I mean, I know we've come a long way in black rights. There was a rumor. There was a heavy rumor. <laughs> That Hayden Christensen actually did uh, the, no. The, the no, walk, no, no. It was a walking, rumor. I don't think it actually up. happened. It was but... him or Daniel Craig. <laughs> I kill you. <ya. laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's going to be a film that a lot of people are going to see. It's not going to be nearly as successful as Force Awakens was. I will say, but for, it's going to do well. For positive or negative, this will be, and I know this, this seems obvious, but even as a non-Star Wars fan, I have to declare that this will be the ultimate test as to whether I'll see any future Star Wars spinoff movies. Mm. I mean, I guess I'll probably see them if we're all going to go see them, whatever. But if you'll be interested in them. Yes, like yeah. I, I have to see what one is allowed to do uh, before I become truly interested in it. Okay. It'll also be interesting to see if... Someone like Ryan Johnson, who will see what his film's going to be next year. His is the one I'm most excited for. Me too. Like, out of all the spinoffs, the episodes. But wouldn't it be cool if he got a chance to direct a different spinoff down the road that wasn't necessarily a... Because I think that would be a, a arena which he actually would very much excel in. But... I would hope, and it's not going to happen, but yeah. I would hope that Disney... And I know I'm going to name white males, but that's also indicative of the problem, which is that I can't name too many because the system doesn't look to whatever. But I would hope that Disney would get really smart. And in the spinoff, I would say, universes, that they start looking even more outside the box, kind of the way that Marvel is doing. Because, I mean, the fact that they're letting, um, what's his name, do Thor... Uh, the guy who did Hunt for the Wilder People and mm. uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Like, that's actually a fucking inspired choice. I love that. But if uh, Disney could do the same thing, I would uh, – this is probably crazy, but I would love to see a spinoff of, uh, directed by somebody like Jeremy Saunier. Uh, you know, like do a tense, you know, battle. Uh, Toussaint's looking at me like I'm crazy. No, I don't. I'm just thinking about that. I'm, just, I, I'm I not would, saying I have a story that goes with it, but but, but truly let someone I would say that's a visionary and has proven time and time again that they have a they're a master at creating tension. And even whatnot. even someone now what we're talking about. I know that this is more of an obvious choice, I guess. But someone who's somewhat unproven, like Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina, yeah. do some. Do a, I would say that would be a little more workmanlike in the sense that I suppose, I, but like, I'd still I would like, be interested. Like no, no, I would be interested in seeing it, but that's because I probably know what his would look like. Whereas, like, I, I guess I would just want him to see. Uh, I don't know. I just think that there's so much. We'll have plenty of, uh, and yet we're giving it to Gareth Edwards. And uh, wait, is it Colin Trevorrow? Or is yeah, he, Colin Trevorrow. Well, he's the, doing, the he doing third the third trilogy one. film. Oh, he's yeah. doing a trilogy film. Not. Uh, do we know? Who, oh, that's right. The um, the uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are doing the Han Solo. Forget yeah. about that. Yeah, that's an inspired choice. I will admit. Um, so yeah, we'll see. At the very least, I will say this: at the very least, out of Rogue One, we'll get a decent Lego Star Wars video game. So, you know, it's, it's not uh, it's not completely wasted. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that uh, that was pretty good. I think we had good thoughts on that. And... Agreed. I don't think we need to go see the movie. <laughs> Uh, we'll have plenty of thoughts on our episode, which will come out later this year or early in uh, 2017. But we'll be doing an episode on Rogue One at some point. Yeah, so something to look forward to for the Film Tank audience. <laughs> uh, on today's episode, we are talking about Birth of a Nation, uh, the film that completely just uh, became a big deal at Sundance and other film festivals and has been a total failure at the box office so far. <laughs> Uh, this film stars was written by, directed by, and produced by Nate Parker. Uh, it also stars Army Hammer, Penelope Ann Miller, Jackie Earl Haley, Mark Boone Jr. Uh, also here are Coleman Domingo, Ajuane Ellis, Dwight Henry, Ajay Naomi King, uh, Esther Scott, Roger Gouverneur Smith, and Gabrielle Union. Yep. Uh, and the film is about Nat Turner, a literate slave, thank you IMDb, oh. and preacher in the antebellum well, south fair, yeah. or- who orchestrates an uprising. <laughs> Not to be fair, to be accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it certainly wasn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get deeper into talking about Birth of a Nation, which is something that me and Nick already hit on in the Sundance episode uh, earlier in February of this year, uh, but we're going to get more in-depth about it, obviously, here. Uh, a lot came out before this film was released uh, concerning its director and overall just contributor, Nate Parker, who is kind of a bastard completely and utterly. Well, he and was found in his, in he was a, He's an it's alleged bastard. Just... just no, no, no I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to walk. So why don't we no. revisit a conversation we've had? Well, I, I was just going to oh, give a little more context. Please, yes. Just saying that uh, he is the creator of this film, and for the most part, is the only person who wants to be uh, given credit for this film. He, if you gave someone else credit, I don't know what his reaction would be to that. Uh, and unfortunately for him and for Fox Searchlight, uh, this has not gone as they, I think, hoped it would have gone. And um, first, let's talk a little more about him and about this whole sort of... Um, I the, mean, the is controversy it, it, in the film are inextricable from one another at this point. You can't really... That is true, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying is. to think about how long... No, no, it is. But I'm trying to think about, about the actual timeline here. Yeah. It, has this been going on for like six months now? Like, is that has it been it's, since I want to say we saw it in Sundance in January. Yeah. So I want to say well, when, when, I remember... When, 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 I, when it, it's important to know, there was absolutely no... Correct. Controversy involving Nate Parker. The only thing I knew of Nate Parker was that he was in the criminally underrated nonstop <laughs> with Liam Neeson. So I was actually kind of excited because I was like, I like that movie. And he, that was, guy... he was also... Yeah. Uh, Let's like, watch a Burma Nation. I really like nonstop. <laughs> he was also in a, a bunch of other forgettable roles, including yeah. the Richard Gere film Arbitrage. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, so it's safe to say that me and Alex, I guess fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know what you want to yeah. call it, but got to see this movie... With no knowledge of that sure. whatsoever. Um, so you're just going in, and the only knowledge we previously had is that this film had like a shit ton of buzz at some oh, like, yeah. like, to, like was, to, to the point where before we even 
Now, we did go to the second half, but before we even got on the plane to go to Sundance, yep. all I heard was how big of a deal yep. Birth of a Nation and was by the time we Sundance. got to Sundance, it had already, it had just, I thought, broke the record because the week was over. Uh, and it broke the record for uh, most uh, money paid for an acquisition at Sundance by 20th Century Fox for $17 million. Yes. And they turned down an offer from Netflix for an even larger sum. I want to say $20 million or Somewhere so. Um, so that it was unprecedented on a lot of levels. And at Sundance, uh, this was the last film we saw. We ended yes. up getting tickets to the final showing yep. of the entire festival, actually. Are these the tickets we stole? Well, or no. Was that? no. That, that was Sandstorm. Sandstorm. Oh, well, you know now, what? I, I condone the, stealing for that. Uh, these were the tickets, though. <laughs> no, we didn't steal. Someone left them there for us. Yeah. For us. And It was we, fate. Yeah, right? We left our tickets for say, that... Um, Morris from America. Yes, yeah. that other film. <laughs> but... Um, that won an awards, too. It's true, and I've heard it's decent. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but anyway, that's okay. Probably in will. case anybody's interested. There you go. So we uh, were waiting in line to get tickets for the final day, because that's just kind of how like, a final day of Sundance goes, <laughs> because yep. you can buy tickets previously but you have no idea what films are going to actually be showing you really i would say you would only really do that if you miss out on a category like we would have been saved if we bought the best documentary winner because we saw like two documentaries you know and whatnot so obviously yeah it's a gamble to do so but what i will say what an experience as far as like just waiting in that line and like uh like you're standing outside of comiskey park or something like it like they're not other people wheeling and dealing yeah and they're not scalpers because you're all in this together so to speak uh, but yeah there are people just ready to give up their ticket because they already saw the movie previously right. yeah. but but yeah so there was just this lady who was walking by just randomly and she didn't really shout it out but she just kind of like said like oh I've got two tickets for Birth of a Nation yeah. last showing tonight and I just was yep. on that and she actually sold them to us for less than face value which I, I kind of felt bad for it but I, 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 I think, offered to pay her the full amount and she said she didn't want it so I, you know at the end of the day I think that's the right thing like I would I would think that we would do something similar to that maybe as well what because do you mean? As far as, like, if we had if we were in the same situation, like, once we saw how it was working, as far as, like, she doesn't need those tickets, so all she wants to do is get rid of them. Right. But so, but but I would, I mean, yeah. now, now she wouldn't take the actual, like, face value, so right, I only right. gave her what she was asking for, but I also, at the same time, was like, well, no, I'm going to give you the money for what you actually paid for them. Like, that's, yeah. like, I, I want to go see the film, good or bad, right. I want to go see it, so. Yeah. But, but we saw it at Eccles Theater. It. Very full showing. Nate Parker was conspicuously absent, which I have some thoughts thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, Can I talk about that for a second? Yeah, sure. I mean, mean, we've given context to us at Sundance, and we, we, I mean, unless you have no knowledge of it, in terms of it at Sundance, it was a big deal. Like, it was, it was a large, it was a large success at Sundance. I can't think of a film that people talked about more in terms of just hearing things. It was the biggest film in terms of people talking about it. And uh, again, we saw the last showing at Sundance when it had showed multiple times before at the Eccles Theater. And it was busting out with people there seeing it. 
So yeah, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, no, I just was going to mention the idea that it was very it's very customary for both week one and week two for the creator, the involved you know, uh actor or whatever, to be there during uh their Q and A. Obviously that's not always true. I mean yeah. when we saw Love and Friendship, Whit Stillman had already left. But I like to think that because that guy's just cultured as fuck and he had to go to a gala or something. I was gonna say uh, there was some <laughs> sort of other event happening with, with Hollywood people that yeah. evening. But... And not to mention someone like Whit Stillman, A, his film was not in competition, and B, you know, he was just the there to showing. premiere it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was just dropping it as a treat, so to speak, for people who go to Sunday. Someone like Nate Parker, I guess I expect to be there. Not so much that, like, you, like, he, I demand he be there, or I feel like he owes it, or anything like that. But as far as, like, what I would think he would have on his plate, and to be obviously in competition, and to win the award for Best Dramatic by both Jerry and uh, Audience Award, I just feel like he... I, I can't imagine what he would have scheduled on that day for that awards ceremony and award screening. And now I feel like I know why he wasn't there. I feel like that was going to be his biggest audience probably ever to show this movie. There was going to be a thousand people. And we now know that this stuff that it became public conversation was all Always public knowledge, but of course, you know it's it's where you live in the age of uh, the internet and research, where you can dig this kind of stuff up. So I actually feel like he wasn't there. I wouldn't say necessarily on purpose, but at least subconsciously, he was avoiding the mob mentality of what if someone, uh, what if I say uh, the wrong thing that might correlate to what I. Or thought maybe about his narcissism this. just circles back into such a way. I think my film speaks for no, itself. No. Uh, I'll have to say this, and yeah. and this is taking a total opposite direction on this. Mm-hmm. He had been there for ten days. Now, back up, but just giving my opinion on this. Yeah. He'd been there for ten days at this yeah. point, probably. Eh, eight, ten days, whatever. Um he definitely I don't think they had ever thought that that had been would it have been a big as big of a deal as it had been at Sundance. But I will say this. The person who was there, his co-producer or whatever. Or just some guy. I don't right. remember his name. Um, his uh, roommate from college. Yeah, for real. I, I, that might have actually been I, I was going to say, I wonder if it was, <laughs> which is kind of scary, because he's a convicted uh, sexual assaulter. If that was the guy, we don't know. I, I don't remember yeah. who it was. Uh, but here's what I'll say. I remember the guy said that Nate had to get on a plane this morning. So he was there from all the way from the start, all the way up, up until that screening, mm-hmm. essentially. And so here's here's how I envision what happened. This movie became huge. This movie got acquired three days prior to the awards screening. This essentially was a no-brainer that it was going to win. And once you have that... Well, after the first few days. I mean, before... No, no, after the first few days. I'm not saying he went into the festival. But but then he said, I would like to think, you know what? I I need to keep this whatever, so I'm not going to be there in case now that it's getting this much buzz, this much, uh, you know, got... uh, acquired for that much money that I could honestly see him. Yeah. Just basically subconsciously not wanting to be there to see a room full of, uh, the first journalists, uh, critics press, not the first, cause obviously there were press screenings and whatnot, but the first after it had this much notoriety, uh, to, for a free-for-all Q&A. I, I just feel like there's just... That's just a weird coincidence, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, I guess... In, 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 in hindsight, it's, yes. it's definitely something you could think about. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily know if I buy into that. Um, at the same time, it was bizarre that he wasn't there, it, no matter for what reason he wasn't there. Yeah. Um, 
and just if if we're talking about that Sundance Q and A, I always think back to the question I asked of the guy who was there yep. when I asked, "Hey, uh, just want to know." Was Nate ever considering anyone else to play Nat Turner in this film? And almost like my question was brushed aside, like, of course not. He was never. This was always going to be him. And I was like, ugh. Well, Nate Parker is Nat Turner. Well, no, but that's... that. Um... Like, that. that is like Steven Seagal-type territory of someone who is, like thinks this film is about them so much that of course they never considered anyone else because this is who he wrote this for and, and created this film for. Why what would he not play Nate Nat Turner? Fuck Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first time. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's gonna be the first of many. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> so yeah, so let's talk really quick before we get to the movie, Nate Parker as a person. We know about we know these. well. Oh, first of all, yes. before Birth of a Nation and before Wait. all of the, we we know pretty much nothing about him, right? Wait, about what? About what Nate Parker? Like, I didn't know uh, shit like, about like Nate the Parker. three of us. Oh yeah, no, no, no. no. Like, we I'm know, saying we're skipping ahead to sure. Now it's divulged. But but, but I, I'm talking about just our knowledge of him as a person Correct. slash actor. We know almost nothing about him. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. No, no. We're gonna talk about Nate Parker's public persona that has come to light in the wake of this movie becoming a Sundance smash, which is that he has clearly been involved with, not to say that he's uh, guilty or anything like that, because that would be uh, libel or illegal, but he's been involved with a uh, a lawsuit in which a, a female person that he used to know in college sued him and his college roommate for sexual assault, and it was found in the court of law that his roommate, because apparently they were both in the room together, and we we have testimony that Nate does admit that he was essentially there and he had sex with this woman, but somehow only the roommate was found guilty of rape. So I, I'm putting that out there. Yeah. The conviction was later overturned, and the prosecution declined to pursue The conviction retrial. of the roommate? Of the roommate, yeah. Okay. But it, initially, at least, yeah. was he was convicted and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so Nate Parker, in fielding questions about this, because it was dug up and journalists— It's really how he's answered those damn questions that have proved to be some of the most damning things. I would say— Almost more problematic than the act itself. Obviously, there's nothing more problematic than what might have happened that day yeah. and what it might have transpired. But yes, his answers, uh, and of course, it's been even more brought to light and tragic once he was made aware, and really the public was made aware of the fact that the female had committed suicide uh, about a year or two prior, or something like that. Maybe uh, three or 2012. four. Okay, three or four years uh, prior to obviously this whole circuit and whatnot. Um, and and he didn't know until. Recently recently uh he pretty much found out and we all found out so because, he says uh, yes so he says uh and you know we've had conversations on this podcast about the separation of the art and the artist and when we all personally do that or don't do that and you know i've always been a big advocate on like it doesn't matter what a person does as far well, as we talked about this at nauseum on the uh, Chinatown episode last year yeah. about Roman Polanski. Yeah. You pretty much have to with Roman Polanski. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I respect Roman Polanski more than I respect Nate Parker. Oh! And that's... Uh, I, I'm just to, saying... I'll have to say... I, I'm not... I'm that's not, a can of worms. No, no. I mean, it's all personal, like, belief right, about, about, about situation. Roman Polanski! 
Polanski. R- R- Roman Polanski admitted is, to doing what I was he say. That's why I respect him more. Oh. oh, I was gonna say Roman. Pla- Roman Polanski. No matter what you think about their public persona, whatever. Ron Polanski is not necessarily a good person. Now that that no, yeah. not, I'm talking, this is a hierarchy of yeah, despicable. Sure. No, but, but it's a hierarchy of shit. It's not, still not, shit. Now that isn't to say that he hasn't had a. I mean, there's all kinds of shit. Whether you want to talk about like Charles Manson and stuff like like Roman Polanski has had like a story. Like there is going to be a Roman Polanski film someday about his life, and... directed by him <laughs> when, when he's over in uh, oh, France. Oh God, starring him, directed by him, produced by him. No, that's but, Nate Parker thing. Yeah. But I will say, um, yeah, it's just it's just a a a tough line to tread because although I I completely am am with you on the Nate Parker stuff because he has just handled this so horribly, it's like getting and so to, is Fox Searchlight. Let's not simply yeah, throw him under the bed. But 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 it's it, it he is casting himself. It's getting to like Anthony Weiner territory, and at Nate least he Parker. was an effective politician. Oh my god! So <laughs> what? I'm being serious. But but Roman's Pol- hierarchy is just getting more problematic every single. <laughs> Roman Polanski, like like even though he's putting out films, like his in terms of his public persona, he's done. Yeah. Like no one is ever going to not think of him as, as a person who probably raped a child at some oh, point. Oh, Yoko Ono likes him. But here's the thing about Roman Polanski is that, uh, what do you call it? Nate Parker is clearly so angry like and annoyed by the idea that he didn't get to become a Roman Polanski, which is that he didn't get to essentially I mean, I mean, now, now, have now, his start. Now let's, hold, let, now, let's hold back there just a second. Okay. Roman Polanski had to, like... Pick up all his shit and leave no, he America. Did. And yet what he left behind was a rich tapestry of film history. You yeah. know, like he had right. got to do his thing, so to speak. Say what you will about Roman Polanski, he still has a career and he's still there's there's still people want to work with there, him. There's still some contingent they of, fly of to other countries that being still said, wants to exonerate him somehow. That being said, yeah. the Roman Polanski incident happened decades ago. Yeah. Like this this no, no, and I get that the Nate Parker thing happened, obviously not this year, yeah, but, but in terms of the public knowledge of it, we're talking about like months ago. Right. So it's hard to really grasp yeah. how that situation will eventually play out. But yes, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and here's what I got to say. Uh, Nate, and the worst part about the situation, uh, I, I should say the second worst part. The worst part is essentially what happened to this uh, female. Sure, yeah. But the, the, the worst part about what happened to uh, Nate Parker's career, so to speak, is that in light of this, other problematic tr- uh, phrases and trends have been brought up. I mean, he. this is also a person who, before this was even made knowledge or whatever, has been quoted saying that he would never play a homosexual character because he wants to preserve the masculinity in the... Or no, he wants to preserve a, of the image of masculinity in black men. Now I'll say something about that. Um, say, I, I have thoughts, but I want to hear your thoughts. I... I, I, f- I fiercely denounce that I, I i vehemently disagree with that i think that whatever his his concept you know that, that that's his as much as i totally disagree with that and i think that might be a shit opinion in, in my opinion that's still 
I, I don't want to come to his defense. Like that's still his opinion. Is like it's a shit opinion if he wants to hold to it. And, oh, if that's, and that's how he wants to chart the trajectory of his career. Then that's his career, and he can do what he wants. But I, 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 I want to I want to say my piece about this whole controversy because what about the about the the, the case against about him? about the case against him? Okay, before we go, just yeah. so that way I can get off this subject. Yeah, I want to make one thing clear about okay. his comment about uh, preserving the image of masculinity in black men. Yeah, the the reason why I find that problematic in in two reasons, and I'm not an expert on black culture, though I play one in an internationally co opted <laughs> script where they cast it a white man. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> That is that goes that goes deep. I like that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Nick went in. Thank but you. I um, but I have issues with that for two obvious reasons. I think one is that it's just deeply homophobic, and it yeah. somehow states that black men are less if they are homosexual. Which watch is Moonlight just completely eclipse his fucking movie. Cannot wait for that movie. Yeah. It's, besides the rave reviews, it just looks fantastic. Right. Um. But. And that ties into the idea of – and what we're going to talk about this movie and what he's trying to get about liberation and the freedom to stand up for what you – whatever. But here's the other thing. Like what I was saying about when I said I'm not a, you know expert on black culture, I don't think the one thing under attack in black culture is the idea of masculinity in black culture because mm. I feel like that's preserving something that most people fear mm. as, uh, when we when we talk about – idiotic white people, you know, whatever, that I feel like maybe you would benefit from more homosexual portrayal and feminine portrayal because, unfortunately, we live in a culture that's, like, fearful of the black man. You know, like, I I just feel like it's so problematic on both an an intelligent level and and how a man can think that that would be uh, damaging to, you know, what he believes in as the image of black men. Uh, I don't know. It's just such a fucking loaded and stupid statement, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think so too. Is like there's been this. There's obviously a lot of crossover, like the the um, the stereotype or the conception of the the alpha male machismo character uh, of masculinity transcends race in in both like white culture and black culture and just like in in American culture in general. But I also think that um, especially in black culture, there is this unfortunate uh, sort of um, recursive cycle of homophobia within black culture, and 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 it it's, it's boggles my mind that you could have a a, a a culture and a time that during like the 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 crucible of like the civil rights era in like the 1960s, you had people like Bayard Rustin, who was an openly gay man, who was res- pretty much the, the the sole responsible person for directing the 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 March on Washington, the, the, the so-called, like, I have a dream, like, impetus for that. And you have James Baldwin, who, who, who was one of the most prolific writers of his time in that, in that era, who is also, his words have come back to this time in 2016 to resonate so heavily that they were two prominent black gay men who, for whatever reason, were ostracized or, like, pushed to the fringes, and we still have to deal with this shit now. I think that's just fucking stupid, and people need to get the fuck over themselves. And I think it's indicative on Nate... Parker's narrow-sighted uh, vision of uh, his own culture's history. That, yeah, it. it uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't even really front with that. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. So, what were you going to say about the case well, and such? About about the case, I, I have to unpack a a very knotted sort of 
perception or or, or or concept that I've kind of like come into contact with as being a black male, like hearing about this stuff. Like I have um, I have friends and I have colleagues um, who are you have uh, black friends. I have black friends. Yeah. On on Facebook. And we, we weren't sure. So. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I do. Anyway, it's and, tokenism. Do so. And, and I and I've come across this 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 sort of perception that this controversy was only unearthed. Like, why is it, why was it unearthed only now? Why, why is like, it's only when he decides to make a story about, let me just like pace this out. Like it's only because he's making a story about a prominent, like black historical figure and like talking about this story. That's about black people and stuff. It's like, it's only to like drag him down. It's like, first off, I'm going to just nip that shit right in the bud because I recently came up across this when I, I, I wrote, I wrote something about about a form of black media, and I kind of like had to explain like what my my sort of like conception with it was. Like, I am not going to how can I? I'm not going to give him a pass just because this is a uh, a black film. Uh, it, it is a, it is a, a a film about a a black historical figure by a prominent black cast, directed by a a a black director and written by a black screenwriter who happens to be the director. And it's like, and you know, I'm all for the expansion of those sorts of things. I want more diversity. I want to see more representation among minorities in that sort of ways. Like that is, is, is totally aside from the part of, I don't think that I need to give black media a booster seat and I'm not going to give it a pass on controversy because I know that black art can stand alongside any other contemporary art and should be judged on the merits not of, of its blackness but on its its aesthetic and, and cultural merits. And that argument that I've heard from other people as well, and sadly I've always seemed to have heard it from like respected or non-respected right. black figures. Right. Like, like non-respected being like Bill Cosby or whatever. And respected <laughs> Yeah, everyone being... wants to hear what Bill Cosby's yeah. like perspective on this. Yeah, we definitely want to hear what he has to say about a rapist. Um, <laughs> Uh, but somebody like, like even like Al Sharpton, who, you know, is certainly trying. Al Sharpton. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to get into po- yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I think about but that or anything like not, that. Not the greatest example. Right. But yeah. as far as someone who's certainly not a Bill Cosby sure. figure in, yeah. black, yeah. in the black community. Gotcha. Um, but w- what I was going to say is that and to your line of thinking, as far as you're not going to give it a pass or not, that argument, though, only matters like it's only valid if somebody prevented him from making it mm-hmm. or somebody prevented it from being released yeah none of those two things happen and anybody can go see this movie so therefore all i think we are doing as a culture and society Fox is searchlight has gone all right. in on this film yeah so because it doesn't actually hinder his ability to get his message out or whatever yeah. it's our i think duty to dissect his message mm-hmm. in, in all facets yeah so that being said we should get into talking about the actual film yes do you do you, do you no no do i don't agree? i i totally agree yeah. yeah now when we saw this film at sundance uh i said i thought it was an absolute fucking terrific film and I absolutely loved it. And if you don't mind, since I've kind of been sitting out here for the last no, 10 no, no. minutes or so, yeah. I was thinking I would kind of take the lead here a little bit. Go for it. And, and talk about my feelings on the actual film. Because when we saw this, I absolutely loved it. And at the time even, I even said I was a little concerned that I was just caught up in the moment and watching this film, seeing it, and just being in a very crowded theater of people who were enjoying the film uh, and enjoying the fact that they were seeing a film that was widely 
highly regarded at the at the festival. This movie got a standing ovation before the movie premiered. Correct. Like that's a, that that says something about like the atmosphere surrounding the movie. Not really in our theater though. We we had we had some guy come in in the middle of it and then he kind of like left and I heard him like yell something and I can't really remember what it was but I'm sure it wasn't really nice. This is too black for me. Yeah, <laughs> oh, probably that. It was. Yeah, this is what I was thinking of anyhow. Um, I'm gonna go watch Luke Cage. <laughs> That'll be whiter. When oh, we saw God. this film though, the first time when me and Nick saw it at Sundance and the in the last screen of the entire festival, uh, it was a, a theater that was very much. Wanting to see the film, was into seeing the film, and I definitely think at the time I thought it, and now, um, I thought that had an effect on my on my rating, because I gave this a 5 out of 5 the first time I saw it. Um, so we went and saw it again, and I obviously had a very different experience In this In a theater time. with basically nobody. I was going to say, the three of us, and I think about, like, six other people? Oh, I thought it was, like, two or three. Well, there was three people who sat behind us, and then two people who were sitting in front of us, and one guy who just kind of came in and went (laughs) and came in again, and then went again. I'm not sure. Like, it was... That whole experience was obviously a stark difference from the first time I saw the film, and... Also, at the same time, it was, it was a good experience because I got to see it in a much different setting. Uh, and I still very much enjoy this film. I, I, with everything we've said, and there's really no defending Nate Parker at this point. Like, he obviously is not the greatest of people, no matter what you think about him or no matter, no matter what even happened. And I guess nobody will ever know the exact events. Uh, yeah, thank you, Nick. Uh <laughs> I just winged it, Alex. You did. And, yeah, that is... I get it. But at the same time, it... <laughs> you son of a bitch. Oh, man. I'll whip this guy. So, anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, watching the actual film and seeing the elements at play throughout the film, the story, uh, there are things here in terms of the structure, uh in terms of the way the narrative plays out, in terms of the storytelling that are not uh, are not that great. And I will completely concede to those. That being said, um, I enjoyed that this film, A, tells a very interesting story that I think multiple different people could have different interpretations of, for sure, even if it seems, if you just look at it on the surface, pretty obvious what this film is trying to say. And then at the same time, I do give this film a lot of praise for trying to have several different types of storytelling narratives throughout the entire film. We have a love story here. We have a war film. Uh, we have a uh, a film about slavery slash oppression. I mean, we, we have all kinds of different things at play here. In addition to uh, different people, whether they be known like Nate Parker or Army Hammer, or Jackie or Haley, or be unknown as, as a lot of characters in this film and a lot of actors and actresses who played characters in this film. We have a lot of quite solid performances, even if uh, a lot of the dialogue and storytelling is very simple uh, and very much hand-fisted. Um, I just find this to be a fascinating film in terms of the way it is all put together and the final product. And then you have that last 30 minutes, which is just um, whether you see the film or never see it or are going to see it, 
it it is an interesting turn in terms of the way the film starts and the way it ends, because even if you know the whole story of Nat Turner, or if you don't, uh, this film has a completely different tone in the first hour than it is in the second, and it 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 turns into something that is uh, an interesting way of storytelling throughout the last thirty to forty five minutes. Uh, that I just completely am all on board for. And then the visuals and the music and uh, the shots and the composition, I just, uh, I was way on board with. And uh, I've got to, I've got to remove the art and the artist here because I've got nothing really positive to say about Nate Parker. And, and I don't necessarily even think he's really a good actor. I think a shit put, person can still produce pretty good art. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think I, passion accounts for something. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And, and I don't necessarily even think that Nate Parker puts on a bad performance here, but I certainly think there could have been better people playing that role. Um, but at the same time, uh, this is a film. No matter what happens, no matter if it comes out that Nate Parker uh, raped and murdered a hundred people. I, I, That'd be pretty astonishing. Holy I, fuck. Yeah, How did this a, only come to light yeah. now? <laughs> well, I mean, in the future. Because um, if he just, you know, kind of just says, fuck it, I'm above everything, I can do whatever I want. But I will say about this film, The Birth of a Nation, uh, I loved it the first time. And I dropped my rating the second time. I'm not going to give it a perfect rating uh, today. But at the same time, uh, I thought this was a terrific film that had a lot of things that you could latch onto in terms of being interested in watching it. And I think you have to, and I always have, uh, give some leeway to a filmmaker on their first time out. Like, this is, honestly, I gotta do it. Like, this is Nate Parker's first... I'm not saying I begrudge somebody for doing it, but I think Nate Parker... <laughs> yeah, I got thoughts on that idea. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And and, and, and yeah, yeah. every everyone has a different opinion, but yep. mine usually is... Uh, someone, we talked about this on the Christopher Nolan episode when we talked about following, uh, someone who tries something outside the box and not saying that this film necessarily is because it's (laughs) a very, but at the same time, this is a large concept film for a first time director, first time filmmaker, first time writer, first time producer, whatever. Um, I give him points for trying something with this film and doing things that I think people haven't given this film necessarily credit for, especially now. So yeah, that's my initial thoughts. And, um, yeah, I, I love this movie and I think it's a really good film. Um, that being said, Nate Parker still looks like he's probably a bad person. So I don't know who wants to take the baton, but would you like, I mean, would you mind if I went? Yes, please. All right. So to kind of compliment, uh, Alex's uh, testimony. Uh, testimony, I don't know. Uh, opinion. Innocent! Yeah. <laughs> Speak before the court of film tank. Here, here. Um, uh, I had a similar reaction in the sense that we, we both went and saw it at Sundance. I came out of that screening not liking this movie. And upon seeing it again, I pretty much, I might like it a little less, so to speak, uh, because it's no longer new to me. I don't, you know, I, I yeah. know what's coming and whatnot. But in general, I felt largely the same. And I think that speaks, uh, I'm going to brag about us for a second and say as that we are very literate film viewers because we know what we want and we can articulate what we get out of a movie. Uh, mm-hmm. That, you know, that experience really didn't have an, a, a strong hold on either one of our experiences. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
I, when I watch this movie, I feel like a college professor reading an essay that I gave out on a book, and I'm trying to figure out if this student actually read the book. He or didn't not. read this book. <laughs> he didn't read this book. Half this shit didn't even happen like that. And it, it, you were writing fan fiction, didn't you? <laughs> and and Toussaint is right in the sense that uh, that's that's pretty much how I feel, except for the fact that I don't dock a movie for not being factually accurate no. if, if it is truly a fictional retelling of something like it is like the social network i mean if that was a factual retelling that would be one of the most boring movies and probably insufferable ever made but because that movie took what happened and made its own whatever also army hammer also army hammer he's got a little niche i'm a brick shit house and there are two of me <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. What a All dick. Right, continue. <laughs> but that's how I feel in the sense that I'm 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 trying to understand where this quote unquote student is coming from. And on the one hand I have a sense of empathy in the sense that I think that the story of uh Nat Turner could be an important one in the right hands, uh and certainly have relevance uh in the times that we live in and such. But I don't think that Nate Parker, uh, as a director and screenwriter, not as a person, uh, though I might talk about that a little bit later, but as a director and screenwriter, has the chops at all to uh, purposefully dissect what has happened in history and understand the fundamental of why he's telling the story and why it should matter to a uh, 21st century audience. And that's troubling to me on a lot of levels because we are at a crucial crossroads right now in uh, 2016 politics and, shall we say, race relations and such. I would say that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has noticed. But... I, don't, I don't know if you've... you've... <laughs> Opened a newspaper or turned on the internet or like looked out a window, but shit's kind of fucked right now. Things aren't going so well. Yeah, things and, are not so chill. <laughs> and uh, and I think Dave Parker saw that, and certainly because you know they they spoke at Sundance about how this has like been a ten year in the making movie, and I can understand that as far as like we all have passion projects that we want to see come to life and yeah. whatnot, whatever. Yeah. But so it's not that I disbelieve that, whatever. But I do think there is such a thing as just striking when the iron's hot. And there are even sound bites in this movie that feel like they were pulled from CNN. Like when they say they're killing blacks all across the land for no reason. And it's not that that obviously is not happening. Oh, but it seems like uh, – and that, that's actually one topic I want to talk about really quick before I pass it off, which mm -hmm. is I do not give Nate Parker a pass in this instance – for being a first-time filmmaker. And the reason, and norm, not normally I do, but a lot of times I do, whether it be uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Hard Eight, which I think is a fantastic film, nowhere near the level of his other films, but he's just making a, his own movie, a very insular product and whatnot. Um, and I even even if I didn't like the movie, I agree with Alex about the idea that Christopher Nolan, that was his first movie, and he was trying things out and whatnot. Nate Parker gave up... <laughs> the right to cite that as, uh, shall we say, part of the foundation of this film when he clearly set out to uh, a task this ambitious and politically loaded. You mm -hmm. you co-opted the title of one of the most... The, fir the first American blockbuster in yes. 1915, D.W. Griffith's The Birth of yes. a Nation. You are essentially saying that, like, 
you're not essentially saying, but you are shining your spotlight on this and you can see, you know, what's been happening. And so that's why for me, at least in this particular, um, whatever, when you, when you name your film, the birth of a nation and you're doing it that deliberately, you're, you can't you're, claim to be apolitical. Yeah. You're foregoing the right to necessarily lean on the ideals that I'm a first time filmmaker because you're, you're stacking yourself up against practically, Cinematic history as a whole. I mean, what filmmaker sets out to do that, let alone a first-time filmmaker? Well, no, he was just reclaiming the name, remember? Oh, that's what, what? he says he was doing. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you this much. No that, one's going to... That, that was... By the way, no, yeah, that, was, that, the that was a question, and that was the answer given yeah. of, oh, well, we're just reclaiming the history I mean, it's a valid that. question because... You're, you're, it was not necessarily a valid answer. Where well, did it come from? If, <laughs> well, if, no, if you're reclaiming, oh, it's okay. valid in the sense that you can ask. So, what was the uh, you know inspiration behind using that title when there's already that? But I'll say this much: in 50 years, people are still going to remember D.W. Griffith's movie, and I doubt that people are truly going to talk about Nate Probably. Parker's uh, movie. I, I just I can't see it, but yeah. maybe it will. Um, stranger things have happened um, uh, I, on Netflix. <laughs> no. Uh, Toussaint still has to have his turn talking yeah. about his feelings, and we're obviously interested to hear them. And I'm not trying – like, if you want to, like, we can decide right now. But we do need to talk about at some point the fact that this film was obviously purchased by Fox Searchlight, thinking this was going to possibly be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And this, for the most part, has been a colossal failure at the box office. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to get everyone's feelings on that, and we can either do that before or after Tucson gives his initial feelings. So I, you guys. Will, I will give my initial feelings. Yeah, let's do it, do it after. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually just first learned about this film from the, the Sundance episode that my – two colleagues here had done and it's like i was listening back to their their commentary about it and i was like oh wow that sounds really interesting and of course i had already known the the story of uh nat turner like all the way from like high school and stuff i kind of like read it out on my own and i was like oh wow that's really fucked up and it's like 65 white people die like um looking at the tally now it's like over 100 to 200 uh black people like slaves killed by militia and mobs and 56 executed and i was like oh man this like led to uh more strict laws and yeah. regulations on slavery. Did oh, it? And that's yeah. something the film does not mention. Yeah. And I'm not saying it has a duty to, but uh, if you leave it out, then there has to be a good reason for it. Yeah. It's like, that's a, um, <laughs> I, I feel horrible saying this. That's a, that's a pretty shit kill death ratio. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was looking forward to seeing this film simply because like, you know, I, I heard a lot about it from some Sundance hype and I was also looking forward to, um, being able to sort of conceptualize it alongside of the controversy that I sort of like was ramping up towards, like learning more about as the film was was nearing uh, release. I I don't like this film. Um, it's mostly because it's not even out of a contempt for for Nate Parker, even though I have contempt for him on my own. It's like you know, regardless of whether you believe that he was guilty of something or not for the acquittal or even for like the, the weirdness of his, of his commentary and his talking about that. It's like just this film on its or, own. Forget about weirdness. How about the inconsistency? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm talking about. That yeah. fucking weird. I yeah. mean, I have yeah. a daughter. Yeah. 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 That, that kind it, of shit like that. It, it, I'm a man it, of God. It, yeah. If he had just started off and said one message and just stuck with that, I honestly think, feel like this would have just not been anywhere near right. what it is it, now. It, it sounds like he's, he's, a lot of those times he's wrestling with his own conception of what actually happened and transpired. He's, he's and, a 
Oh, I think he knows exactly what I mean. He's, he's just trying to figure out how to articulate it. Yeah. I was going to say, I have a... This is a really... Just say compa- it. Really bad comparison. Yeah. He's almost, in terms of the way he handles the media, almost like a black tunnel trump at some point. Oh! I was going to say that that's a little bit... Rug. <laughs> but at the same time... Like, like a blunt force reality distortion he, field of bullshit. He's given a clear path to saying you could say this and you'll be fine. Yeah. And even though you'll have to deal with it, whatever. Nah, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to say whatever comes to my head at the time. Yeah. Like totally not even thinking about he's, anything and just saying whatever comes to his mind at the time. I can understand what you're saying about that. Although I feel like the, the big difference and I've been through. Well, uh, I mean, there's, obvi- I, I was, there's I, one big difference. There, there's a lot of differences. <laughs> I tried to preface it. No, like, no, no, I was yeah, saying yeah. it's just kind of a, but just, to shed um, light on where yeah. he goes wrong. That's different than Donald Trump mm-hmm. is also is that he's almost too composed too at times because his Facebook posts, which is fucking, you're answering this, you know, issue yeah. in a Facebook post where he essentially talks about how this has been difficult for him. I <laughs> can't imagine for, how hard this has been for yeah, me. Yeah. Dog, that, like, need to walk that like, back. Like, even, I feel like even Donald Trump, Donald Trump attacks people. He doesn't like to shed light on himself. Like, so that's why he's just a completely different kind of monster. But he also plays directly into a, a culture, which Unfortunately, this is a a film that is trying to attack a certain culture, yeah. no matter what you think about it or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But but that that is just totally just embracing a culture that is damn the victim and make all of the attention be brought on yourself in terms of you being the victim, and it's just that's incredible to me. I I think going back yeah, to go just my my overall feelings about this film, I I don't like it principally just because it just. To me, it doesn't bring anything new to this sort of the genre of of slavery films that I've I've seen before. I mean, I've seen Roots before. I haven't seen Twelve Years a Slave, but I heard that was actually really good. I'm a fan. Uh, there's lots of best picture. There's right? yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah there's okay. lots of other films. That I will say, you say of course, and yet it's one of the few best picture winners that is better than the prestige of winning best picture suggests. Hmm. Okay. It's a surprisingly, in my opinion, nuanced take on the uh, on the economics and. Uh, Emotional turmoil of slavery. Anyway, yeah, and and and, and, I, and Scoob McNary, also okay. sure. Um, but this film for me didn't really <laughs> add anything to that sort of genres. Like I've I've kind of already seen this arc before, and I I'm I, I'm just really it just brings us a vanity project. It's a, it's a huge fucking vanity project that that um, utilizes the 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 spectacle of sexual violence in order to lionize. A, a a a complicated depiction of a of a already fucking complicated historical figure, and it just twists my mind. It's like I, you know some of the cinematography I thought that was really cool, kind of like the outlook over the uh, the cotton fields and stuff. I thought that was pretty pretty awesome. Speaking of sexual violence, it's interesting that there is quite a bit of sexual violence in this film, and that ends up. It's being... almost like he's saying it's a necessary evil. Oh. There's oh. one of one of the actresses. Uh, there, you know. The, the the one part of the film where uh, Nat's friend his 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 wife is taken into the house in order to be sort of like pimped out to the 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 the, the plantation owner's like guest and she doesn't speak an entire word I actually read an interview with that actual actress I can't remember her name off the top of my head I 
maybe it maybe it was Gabrielle Union. But, Nate Parker doesn't want you to remember anybody's but, name. But but here, here's Nate the Parker. thing about about that it's actress. True. She chose to she read the script. She read the script and she chose that role because she quote wanted to give a voice to that character, which I find that to be so <laughs> so fucking. So so fucking like yeah. bafflingly ironic. I was like, you're trying to give a voice to a character that doesn't have a fucking line in the film, but you just want to like. It probably got cut out. Oh my god! It's it's <laughs> it's so. Listen, I, we got to move this along, honey. So uh, I, we're I, just gonna give a look to the camera. I, I can't even like. Yeah. I can't even tackle that. It's just so. It's so fucked up. Well, if, and also one more thing. Go ahead. Uh, Nat Turner's character, because I'm not going to talk about Nat Turner the person, because yeah. clearly this is a fictionalized version, even right. if this is uh, at least resembles a true story and a true character, whatever. But uh, I'm only judging this as a movie. Uh, it's a little telling that Nat Turner is also, like, I talk a lot about white savior movies uh-huh. as far as, you know, the blind side, whatnot, whatever, and yet he is also... Years of slave. Well, that's a white slave, slaver, white. You said white savior. White savior uh, trope. Yeah, it doesn't base the entire movie on that emotion. Well, it bases the. Okay, that's a whole anyway about birth of a nation. I'm just saying there's a difference between setting your movie around making white people feel better about themselves and having a last minute yes uh, climax, which is actually probably the only way that would have happened. Uh, I suppose. I mean, what it, true story is that? It, it, and Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, re- it's based on Solomon Northup's own writing. I, I get it. Okay. The fact that the producer of the film, Brad Pitt, well, is that's the an outside art from the artist conversation too. Sure. Still, I, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm a little, in my opinion, because yeah. I, I actually really like both films. Yeah. A little too much praise being completely thrown, in my opinion, towards 12 Years a Slave, and then a little too much shade thrown at Birth of a Nation. From me? Just in general, in, oh. the, in the way you're talking about. But oh. but that's just me. One's a good movie. Nick, you're about to talk about... What I was about... going to say is, um, in this movie, we have an instance, in not an instance, but their entire romantic relationship is built on the foundation of Nat saving her. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is problematic. And was that supposed to be chivalry, or was that supposed to also be kind of like self-interest because he just happened to take a shine to this Yeah, one? that's that's the thing, is that it's one thing if he did it, and then like she just became a slave that probably got a better deal with Army Hammer in the long run than with those people that were you know, leering with no teeth and whatnot. Um, But the fact that he essentially just moves from doing that to wanting to fuck her to wanting to marry her uh, is problematic. And I, and I think that's another reason why as far as like, I can separate art from the artist, but when an artist continually uh, inserts his own subliminal, I think thoughts on gender and on race and on historical context into a movie that's fucking based on a true story so he didn't even have to do that uh that's problematic i'm i'm not disagreeing with this i don't don't, don't have any comments (laughs) um i will say though one thing uh, we definitely wanted to hit on so before we talk into more of general things in terms of whatever kind of short long discussion we're going to have I do definitely want to hit on that this film was purchased for a high amount at Sundance. This is, for the most part, it had been a colossal failure at the box office. Uh, it, not, it did not even make half its acquisition uh, in his opening weekend. Yes. Which is kind of crazy, because that would not have been a crazy goal, I think. And 
myself and you talked about that we both thought that this film would at least in terms of word of mouth and in terms of, of just the fact of the amount they paid for it would have at least done decent at the theater. And this has been, for the most part, a complete just disaster at the I'll give so you far. a good indicator of, like, as far as how this movie has fallen out of the public eye. This is a movie, uh, my mother, uh, who I love dearly. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shout is, out to Nick's mom. Yeah, Linda, what you doing? Um, but she is a person who I, as I was growing up, I used to drag her to all these movies, especially when I first figured out what Sundance was and Little Miss Sunshine was a hit and whatnot. So over the years, I feel like as I become a better film critic or just film viewer or whatever, mm-hmm. I've single-handedly also shaped my mother's interest, not necessarily her taste or anything like that, but just her desire to seek out these kind of movies. Showing her films that she obviously would yes. not either read about or hear about. Yes, and she's gotten to the point where in the last few years, she's been pretty much on the same page as me, where she'll be like, did you see other people at Sundance? And I'm like, like five years ago, you wouldn't have even known what that right. was, you know, yeah. whatever. That's great. And when I told her I was going to see The Birth of a Nation with you two, she asked me what that was. <laughs> like, that. that's just how like, this movie should, I think, be a huge deal as far as it is so, I, I would just say the T-ball nature of this is right on the T for the mainstream audience to knock this out of the park. It's bizarre. Eat it up. Because this was pretty much like cultivated and sculpted to be the exact mirror image of what you're if, – if, if, if this was a fucking game of Tetris – like that would be just like a a, a perfect piece. Like it's yeah. it, it fits you would have knocked mold. at least three to four rows out with it. Five fucking rows. <laughs> and you guys are mentioning it, and you've mentioned Tetris, it before. the trilogy that or they're going to make. Not necessarily Tetris, but <laughs> you guys mentioned it just specifically with this film in terms of timely. Like this is yep. this is there. Like this is is right there for you. And um, yeah, no one has given a fuck about this film. And when when there's no one. No other films out, too, at the same time. And you know what's interesting? You and me, Alex, uh, I should say uh, you and I. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've already made that mistake multiple times. I didn't tell you about it. Whoa! Uh, what an bitch. asshole. We got a literate person over here. I say it's because it's black. Because <laughs> uh, I read. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you and I have had this conversation when we first saw this movie at Sundance where we went to that pork chop place where I ordered seafood. That was your fault. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, you don't charge nope. 30 five fucking dollars and give me seafood that i could buy at all these i'm 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 still pissed off about it's fine you can keep being pissed off i'm i'm never gonna feel bad for you because we went to a pork chop place and you ordered seafood we went to the pork chop place because you wanted pork chop now i will say (laughs) i think you only got a beer and i got a beer as well but first i got a mixed drink and it was fantastic yeah and their pork chop were absolutely phenomenal. I hope so. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I hope that talent went somewhere and those prices went to something. I if we ever go back and there's talk of us possibly going back in a you know a year or two, we'll we can see. get a pork chop to go. No, no, we're kidding. we're going. Like it's gonna happen. God damn it. That's fine. You can just sit there and get a drink. I don't give a fuck. No, no, I, I but will, it I will is, happily partake. I just won't order that goddamn dish again. That's, there's gotta be something else on the menu besides pork chop that is at least decent. I'm sure. And maybe you should ask. I love seafood that I don't care if I eat bad seafood. That was sub bad seafood. Anyway. It says something about this film that there have been multiple tangents, <laughs> including that of the quality of pork chops at a, at, a, at a fucking well, no, seafood I mean, place adjourning I mean, the sun. I mean, okay, that was the end of the trip. This is a trip where we went to a shitty taco chain restaurant in Utah. Taco John's. Love it. <laughs> at one in the it morning. Great. Uh, and guys, We walked across parking lots to get to this place. <laughs> 
And hey, I'll tell you what. Hey, I, we were hungry, but that was good. It not only was it good, but hold on, it is made for the one a.m. crowd because you order. <laughs> hold on, you order a combo that is like a quesadilla combo, and you get three quesadillas. And then he goes, "What do you want for your side?" I'm like, "Oh, what can you get?" And he goes, "A quesadilla." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, please." <laughs> and so, yeah. anyway, that that's and my, that's my we jam. went to a couple other places that not necessarily <laughs> were expensive, but they were not necessarily uh, we also the Italian same. place. That was yeah. okay. That we went to the the um, barbecue, barbecue place, I like which barbecue. wasn't bad at all. Yeah. But this was probably one of the nicest restaurants we went to. Oh, this probably was easily the, the most I've spent on dinner when we were there. Sure. And, and fuck that I, shrimp. Yeah, that's your fault. You don't go to a pork chop place and get seafood. You don't serve seafood at a pork chop place. Well, you, you have no business. Oh, doing my anything. God, guys. Move <laughs> off of this shit. So, oh, my God. So moving back to slavery. Uh <laughs> So talking about Birth of a Nation and, yep. and different thoughts on it, we were talking about Sundance and you were talking about what oh, we had talked about say, at the dinner. At yeah. the dinner, not the Which when we talk actually, about the food. When we actually probably had a better discussion about the film than we are on this episode. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but one thing I mentioned to you at that dinner in the discussion was that – or no, I didn't mention it. You mentioned it to me, which was that – with the recent controversy surrounding the Oscars and the last year's ceremony and how Oscars so white that this is going to this could be a huge factor in, in playing. I still think it could be nominated for Best Picture. I'm not saying even to this day. I'm not saying it's not going to be nominated, mm-hmm. but man, has I think the wind been pulled out of the sails of, of this being like the savior of Oscars so white that I very easily could have foreseen it and being and, touted as. And, and even though I still do genuinely really, really enjoy this film, I am 100% on board for this not being nominated for anything, too, at the same time, because this is just the same thing as 12 Years a Slave. You know, it's, I think, a better film. Um, you don't necessarily need to have a film that's totally about slavery be the film that... Uh, defines the controversy right. surrounding and, black uh, roles and at, at the same time we discussed this yeah. uh, at nauseum actually at and after Sundance about can I just point out that uh, really quick this sure. has to be said um, sure. that this is obviously the best episode on a black movie <laughs> with two white guys going back and forth about seafood while Toussaint sits idly by I'm sorry Toussaint sorry <laughs> Alex, your thought, and then we'll go back to a more broad. Uh, no, but what what, what, I, what I was yeah. getting to is we talked about nauseum that I said. What if this film wins five Oscars, including Best Picture? Would it just be because people had said, "Oh man, black at this point, gonna... it would"? No, it would be. It would. <laughs> it would absolutely be. And I actually don't really want it to be, even if yeah. it's nominated for something, whether it be Best Picture or whatever. Especially when we have a year with something like Moonlight coming out. Like, man, if that could somehow, you know, revive the whole uh, Oscar so white, uh, not revive, but beat down, like that would be nice. But of course, we need a lot more than just a Moonlight and a right. The Birth of a Nation and. I I even think, and I don't know necessarily if my thought is valid, but it is my thought. Whatever, I I would be okay if if this was a year. Even it it just should be whoever is deserving. Like if if it's only white people or non-black people who are nominated for every category, any category, whatever. 
I feel like that would be okay if that's what it should have been. Like, like my feeling is that Birth of a Nation shouldn't just win because it was directed and written by a person who happens to be black. Like, the, like it should it should be a year that shouldn't just oh we're gonna give all these awards to Birth of a Nation because it has a black cast. But I'll say next this. year, whatever. Who gives a fuck? I'm with you in the sense that philosophically and logically, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And yet, on the other hand. I would totally be on board for the uh, the birth of a nation winning a litany of awards if it somehow makes us do better next year. Like, you know what no, I mean? Like, it, I don't think it would because sadly this is uh, honestly uh, a revert back to uh, right. I, I, a we just did this in two thousand thirteen. I just I just yeah. want the most I just want the most deserving person to win. Well, Who, and, whoever, but that's did. the thing is the system technically is not going to give you that because I know. it's only focused on a percentage of what we can and cannot and, do. And, and I get that, but at the same time, I, I don't want Birth of a Nation just to win just because it's directed by someone who's black. Like, it, I definitely think before we move on that uh, at least Nate Parker is not going to win. Uh, I don't think the Oscars. Oh, wins. they wouldn't. They wouldn't no. let him. Probably. No. Uh, they're, no. they're already Can aware. You imagine. Yeah. That'd be. I would love holy. to see a speech. Do you, do, could you even think of the ego stroking? Oh my god! I'm just glad that this movie finally gets the spotlight it deserves oh. after a tumultuous year. Of, it's uh, been really on hard the on press me. circuit. It's been really hard on him. But yeah, all right. So and, back... and, and you have Inarutu giving him the award then for best director. That'd be something. Can you a, believe how far we've come, guys? I was going to say, and, and Inarutu is a fucking terrible person, too. He's an asshole, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah but... Um, <laughs> uh, so, back to the movie. Uh, to give really quickly very general thoughts, and the reason why I've only talked about this movie as an entity and not necessarily as, like, a film and the cinematic workman-like materials that are here, just to give my opinion on those, half, if not the most, the reason as to why I don't really care for this film is that I think that it's... Can, uh, can I say, too, and this was something that kind of surprised me, and before you go on further, when you say, and you've been talking about this film, you didn't necessarily have feelings of this film like you did about other films that you like completely hated. Like you didn't like despise this film like it's one of the worst films no, no, ever. No. no. And, and I, I was gonna say I wanted you to at least yes. at some point mention that because <laughs> uh if, if you had given this film a half out of half star out of five, I, no. w- whatever, but you didn't when, no. when we originally talked about it, so I just wanted you to at least, mm-hmm. at least Yes. <laughs> that is a good point. Acknowledge that. Yep, and I acknowledge that. And I'm throwing away that key. And, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I completely acknowledge that. Yeah. And 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 to that point is that I think that this is that this is a missed opportunity at mm-hmm. best. Like I I I want there to be a better version of this movie because I I would reserve something like a half star or a one whatever for something that I would think is irredeemable, unsalvageable, and 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 frankly a waste of my time. Uh, I would say it's only a step better than that because I really didn't care for this movie. Sure. And frankly, I thought the because I thought the fact that he was a first time director uh, completely showed. Uh, I thought that this essentially, and I don't mean that on like an indie level, but this essentially had the production cues of like a Hallmark movie. I thought the even if the cinematography was somewhat 
uh, I would say, elevated by its locales and probably from a keen eye, certainly someone who has watched movies before. Most competent. Competent, exactly. But everything else surrounding it, uh, the editing, the... the, I thought the score was pretty much atrocious. I mean, when they're they're ramping up when he's essentially the Christ-like figure on the uh, the whipping post and it's essentially meant to be an uplifting moment. Like, I can see someone making that an uplifting moment. I, I don't think Nate Parker succeeded in that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just thought all the cues here were completely, uh, pointless and essentially drowning each other out to make anything stand out. And and then you get to the final act, which I think we all obviously have to talk about. Uh, but that's also the moment in which the movie becomes, uh, too big for its britches. And we're treated to a battle scene that's a little awkwardly staged, in my opinion, as far as, um... Clearly, they're dealing with a very small budget, which I can... Also give. never happened in real life. <laughs> well, it also yeah. ta- it, it takes place in a... In it feel, armory it, or what? A, it feels like a prison yard. Yeah. And, and it feels like... Um, it feels like the... It, just the surroundings and then the and the complete... Uh, it, it, what the, the fuck is this building again? No, yeah. the, the, the four walls and the and the and, and it might, might be. The, is it an armory? No, that's, no, that's what it seems yeah. like because they go to the literal. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 stockyard, the clouds, and the 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 scenery. It felt like the exact same location where the large prison battle takes place in the raid two. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't say exactly, but I can totally see where you're, you're coming <laughs> and from. And let's yeah. not compare those two. <laughs> yeah. No, but well, the Raid Two is a really good film. I was going to say, really as far great. as capture and action, yeah. sure. Um, uh, but here's the biggest misstep I think of this f- final climax battle, whatever, is that Nate Parker, the screenwriter, reduces this. I would say epic story, even if I don't think the way he told it matches that epicness. But he reduces this. Uh, epic story to this petty boss fight in Jackie Earl Haley's uh, character where like having him be the bookend of his shall we say uh, misery as a slave I mean I know he was a child and he was a slave before Jackie Earl yeah Jackie Jackie Earl Haley Haley. doesn't necessarily in my opinion at least put on a bad performance here he's just given nothing to do I was gonna say it's not a fault with Jackie Earl Haley's uh, acting so to speak but the fact that he shows up as like a okay now I'm here and now you gotta get through me and um, like that's where ultimately that's where I think Nate Parker is dangerous in his retelling of the story because he essentially and not in a I would say fun or uh, insightful Tarantino way, which I hate to fucking give credit to a white person. Yeah. When it co- I, so I you know I'm gonna shoot myself in my foot by just saying that, but. Nate Parker to reduce it to something so benign as a climatic standoff between an, a uh, you know a, a heralded antagonist from the beginning of the movie that set off the chain of events of Nate Parker, Nat Turner. Oh, <laughs> oh still right. going strong. Uh, that was my first time though. No, uh, I'll say that Jackie Earl Haley's character though is a representative of someone who happens throughout time. That could t- I mean that is that is like a overall like a. Film lore thing more well, than I'm not just saying it's this not film. Necessarily never been done before, yeah. but I'm saying uh, because it's been done before, and because Nate 
Parker as a screenwriter doesn't do anything different with it and really doesn't build it up. I mean, Jackie Earl Haley is barely in this movie, and yet he's essentially... Yeah, he's important in the beginning of the film. He's important to him later on because he's the one who leads the crew who just completely dismembers his wife. Um, So then he shows up at the end... All he's there for yeah. is to incite character development, and, sure. and and that ties into the problematic notions of the way he treats women in the film, uh, not Jackie or Haley, but Nate Parker, the screenwriter, uh, but that none of these things feel like a recreation of history or a purposeful dramatization of real life struggle and emotions. And because of that, and the way he reduces this to archetypal uh, passages of slavery folklore so to speak uh, is ultimately why I'm just I'm just not a fan of this movie so let's talk about this for a second and I'll just say that for what the points you're bringing up I didn't I can't necessarily disagree with anything you're saying which is why I'm not even gonna I'm gonna touch it because I don't disagree with it you even can though touch it you can touch it all night pop it thank twist you. it pull hey, it <laughs> I have to say thank you for giving me permission because now I have it yes. and it's on record that's what <laughs> differs between you and Nate Barker. <laughs> oh. It's always going to be there, so I've got that for the yeah. court hearings. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway. So, that being said, I'm going to move into a little bit different direction because I have... Please. I have, I have no... And I have nothing left to say. And I have nothing Tucson, to say about... Tucson, do you have anything to say? Nah. Okay. Well, no, I'm, I'm just going to move into a little bit of a different direction. I meant right? as to what I... So that way... Oh, I got you. I yes. got you. Okay. Please Very continue. Good. So... I'm going to talk about the religious aspect of this film, yes, which is, is which is something that um, I believe makes this film a f- a fantastic film, in my opinion. Now, you can dislike the way it's portrayed in this film, you can dislike the way it goes, but I think it's a part of this movie that makes it a great film to me. Um, this film starts off and throughout its entirety is very much concerned with religion. And has a very, um, I would say, interesting message about religion, in, in no matter what way you read it. Uh, I think this film shows that religion is a major part of Nat Turner's upbringing, as he is, whatever it be, fictional, non-fictional, whatever. Uh, he is shown to be literate. He was shown to be someone who is favored uh, by at least the the mother of the of the household. He's shown to be friends with Army Hammer early on because of his interest in reading slash in uh, the Bible. Uh, and then we get later on in the throughout. greatest book of all time. That is actually apparently said. she's never read Harry Potter. <laughs> Sold which, many, which many one? copies. By Penelope Ann Miller, who has a appearance after... I haven't seen her in so long. Like, honestly, the last film I can remember from her was Carlito's Way. That's <laughs> 20 years ago. Oh, man. I would just love to see Sean Penn's character in this movie for some reason. <laughs> oh, Kleinfeld? <laughs> yeah. That's the Jewiest character ever. <laughs> I it gotta <is>. say. <laughs> what a what son of a bitch. Anyway. So, anyways. So, religion in this film... I think that might nation, be my... F- Sorry, but my favorite thing Sean Penn's ever done because I don't really like Sean Penn. Just he, really cool. wanted to say that he is a interesting figure. He is that Carlito's Way, and we've talked about many films. That's a film we're going to do someday. I'm sure, yeah, because it is a interesting gangster film. One of your all time favorites, right? It it is on my top I mean, fifty. Not like yeah, like it's top it's five, up there, but you love it. It's on the list. It's a gangster film, and it has a very interesting 
uh, narrative that goes throughout yeah. and a actually really good finale. Like the last uh, 20 minutes are really good of that film. I'll agree with that. For sure. So, Continue. back to Birth of a Nation, and Toussaint can now rejoin the episode. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, the the religious aspect of this film, for me, was, was the big reason why this got initially a 5 out of 10, and now gets the rating I'm going to 5 out of 10. So we're back. 5 out of like, 5. No, no, I, you said it, brother. Yeah, you said it. <laughs> Schoolyard <laughs> rules. Yeah. <laughs> Five out of five drinking rules. Okay, so originally got a five out of five because um, I I just thought that brought so much to this film in terms of making me think about the actions that happened early in the middle and at the end of this movie. Because in my opinion, uh, Nat Turner, whether it be realistic or not, as I already mentioned, uh, makes an interesting turn throughout uh, using the Bible, whether it be for good or bad. Uh, in the early and middle parts of this film when he is trying to control the rest of the slaves. And at the end, he walks away physically from the Bible. And also... Yeah, I... Well, factually, he does in the movie. Sure. I mean, but in the film... Yeah, I know what well, you're talking physically, about. Yeah. He, he phys- physically, does, he does. He does walk away from the Bible, and there's no disputing that. Yes. And whether you believe it or not, uh, takes a very interesting stand on on the Bible and the use of religion. And then we see a very scientific event as uh, we have uh, a uh, solar, solar, eclipse. solar eclipse. Which has been cited as the actual, if not one of the actual uh, phenomenons that occurred that occur, uh, occurred in front of Nate, Nat Turner and, <laughs> and his fellow slaves as to one of the... Sure, yeah. but, but we, have that, we yeah. have that as almost the, the starting gun yep. to their sort of revolution Black Hole, uh, against Lawrence against the white man at the end of this film and uh we have his use of religion among his own people at the end and just to me it's just that is the reason why this film goes from being an okay film to a absolutely fantastic movie because i just view it as a uh as a profound message to me as the receiver of of this film and the person who's sitting and watching this movie unfold as as we see this storytelling in 2016 about this these this group of people who just followed this uh the readings of of the lord and the message of of jesus and religion and then we see that used Jesus in a completely, black, you know. Thank you. Uh, we see that completely turned around and start what, at the end of the day, this film is trying to say as the Civil War, whatever that is, that conflict that is happening at the end of the movie. But it, uh, what was that conflict at the end? Thank you, Chusan. We should remind viewers or <laughs> listeners that if you haven't listened to our Sundance episode, that is a reference to an actual question that. Somebody in our uh, audience asked, and who happened to be an African American? Very unfortunate. That was a very incidental detail. Yes. And, well, it is a detail. Yeah, no. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he literally asked what the conflict was that's shown at the very end. Of the did they answer it? Yes, uh, they did. He did, and, and I will give that person credit for not being like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like they were being like, "Oh, well, yeah, you know what? That's actually not." Uh, Nate wanted to show the progression as to uh, and how that led into the Civil War, and that's what you saw. In the- 
I will say, no matter what you feel about this film, they laid it on pretty thick at the end what that conflict was. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So I'll just say, last, uh, last comment on religion in this film. It is used in a way that I feel is terrific in this movie where it involves science and um, whether it involves uh, visual cues and the way of the score in this film. I, I just have a very unique perspective on the way religion is used here. And even if uh, most people don't agree with my vision on why religion is used in this film, and I can certainly see why pretty much for the most part everybody could have a different view on it. For me personally, I uh, that's what I take away from this film is that it is used in one way throughout and then used in a different way. And it speaks a lot more to religion uh, in terms of as the way it moves throughout this film than it does actually even to slavery because I think there, this film has a lot more to say about religion than it does about slavery for me personally. So I will just lay that out there. I've given my entire feelings on it. And uh, if anyone wants to comment out there, welcome to do so. I have a lot of thoughts, but I want to hear what Tucson has to say about uh, that particular topic as far as the depiction and the use of religion in this movie. About the use of religion as... Sort sort of uh, and with just, historical just, context, just just in general too. I mean, go ahead. I mean, I mean, I I see the entire film as trying to like lionize uh, Nat Nat Tucker. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you understand the, the words f- that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> like, I knew it was wrong as soon as I was about to say it. I was like, "Why did I say Who that?" Who the fuck <laughs> is Nat Tucker? I don't know. It was Chris Tucker yeah. meets <gasps> Nat Turner. I yeah, Nat Turner. Yeah, Chris Tucker would have done that role justice. I oh <laughs> my <laughs> god! Hey, you gonna let me out of here? Are you gonna let me out of here? <laughs> Uh, I'm a literate slave, goddammit! Oh uh, my! Did you say it's a literal slave? <laughs> a literate, literate, literal slave. Wow. Um, so yeah. you thought? <laughs> yeah. So so, Nat Turner is obviously depicted in this film as being lionized as a as a martyr character, and I don't. I I think that Nick, you said before that you could see this film probably being handled better in the hands of a different director and probably from a, a different actor portraying the, the titular like or a different writer That's a different different thing. writer yeah um, I think that this film what I can say to it is that I feel like it either intent either by intention or unintentionally sort of embodies the inherent um, duality of contradiction that comes with like the 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 Nat Turner like story is like, how do we contextualize this character is like really the story of, of Nat Tucker, the real life historical fuck it. God damn it. Uh, Nat Turner is <laughs> the story of Nat, Nat Turner in, in as a, as a historical <laughs> character. Hold on here. We, before we did this episode, we kept saying that we were going to have a problem distinguishing the names Nate Parker and Nat Turner but I could not have foreseen <laughs> Nat Tucker coming in first place from around the corner <laughs> man that I was, is a... I was doing so good I was doing so good okay the thing about the 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 Nat Tucker Nat Turner story <laughs> it's one and the same is 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 really just just talking about how the 
the barbarism and the inhumanity of slavery as a so-called peculiar institution spawns in turn a inhuman and barbaric um, reaction that comes out of that. It's like if you're shocked by how violent and how horrific like Nat, Nat Turner's like rebellion was, then you shouldn't be at all surprised that it was spawned out of this this very impetus. Um, the thing about about this movie is that I just don't feel like it. It really tackles that in a in a in a meaningful like multi-dimensional way. I feel like it it's it's obviously just a vehicle for like for for Nate Parker to kind of like portray himself and to embody this character that he wants to obviously kind of like conflate into a Christ-like martyrdom figure. And I just what what I can what I can say about this film is that I just feel like it feeds into the complexity of that original topic and maybe it could have been done in a more nuanced way but sort of like it's, it's like a blunt edge to like you you hit the marker but like it didn't stick you 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 hit the bullseye but it just like bounced off like so i guess i'm gonna give you participation points for it anyway or or some other equivalent of it but yeah i just i i, I am kind of intrigued by the the use of religion in this and how it's kind of like co-opted for both senses of of as a form of conscripting slaves but also sort of like liberating them i gotta say that that aspect of the movie is certainly the the aspect i'm most interested in as far as story-wise but it's also the aspect that is deeply underneath a lot of other stuff <laughs> you know it i would say at least for me the allocation in the script as to what nate parker is going for is that this is a slavery drama first and then or at least to the point where i feel like he meant to make this about that but then lost sight because he wanted it to be a little more palatable for audiences and to sure. you know to be a hit yeah um but here's what I got to say. I feel like Nate Parker, the screenwriter, uses religion in the same way that Nat Turner, the character, does, which is that it's he uses it when it's convenient for him to get his message across, but which, then doesn't actually think about the ramifications which, of his actions and the way he correlates it with uh, his, his own inspirational talks. Which you piggyback off of what I was saying originally. Yeah. I think says more about religion in general than it does about the use of religious film. Agreed. And here's I love uh, religion as depicted in film. Like uh, I, I absolutely do eat up a lot of the time uh, cinematic discourse. And when when we talk about religion, what do we mean by that? Not in a Bill Maher way, where <laughs> where we need to go around oh. and, and put down every single religion ever made. Uh, but 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 look at films, and even this though this is a film that I completely just disliked completely but if i'm like doubt oh uh, yeah and i love that movie yeah and yeah. but the way it uses yeah. religion yeah. Uh, that says a lot uh one of my all-time favorite movies is uh, a movie by john pierre melville uh called uh, leon Morin priest which is about a atheist woman living during world war ii who essentially enters this kind of hot affair that never becomes physical or intimate with a uh, a, a priest that's because all of the men in the uh, in that area got drafted to the war so of course the only men left is this one priest um i i don't know why the name is completely escaping me right now and it shouldn't be 
the the Brendan Gleeson film from a few years Calvary. ago. Calvary. Calvary, which that, is a fantastic film. I think it's a fantastic movie. But again, interesting depiction of religion. Great. So I'm I mean I'm all over these kind of stories. Mm-hmm. I if this movie was at least I would say more about it. I, I you know, just a little more I mean, it, it a microcosm as to how this movie treats, I think, the arc of uh Nat Turner's spiritual awakening is embedded in the scene in which he goes to the one plantation that is in dire need of a lot of help, not just religious help, but <laughs> moral support, uh, legal uh, <laughs> obstruction, <laughs> and a lot of other things. Um, but he gives that sermon, and it's like two seconds before his entire quote-unquote congregation is just wailing, even though they were <laughs> depicted as people who had their spirits defeated. And I didn't quite buy into the writing that supported the idea that Nat Turner in that particular scene was just somehow able to convert them in in, in seven seconds flat. But that's just me. Um, but ultimately, I would be more into the religious aspect if I thought, A, Nate Parker had a firmer grasp on Nat Turner's true use of religion itself, and if I thought that he had anything meaningful to say about it. But ultimately, I think he uses it in the same way that we've, and I know I've talked about separating the art from the artist, but here I'm going to break my own rule. Uh, But Nate Parker, as uh, defense against his own case when it comes to possible sexual assault, has said he's a man of God. I, I'm sorry, but I can't separate that from how I feel about the way religion is portrayed in here, which is that in the film, even yeah, because I sorry. I think the, there there comes I I don't actually think even though we see Nat Turner physically walk away from the Bible, I don't think that that's supposed to be symbolic of him essentially denouncing religion in his mind and and starting to co opt it. Uh, uh, for his own I, purposes. I can I, understand why anybody would. I was going to say, I at least think it's up for debate. Oh, no, no, for sure. And I can understand why anybody, if not everybody besides myself, could see that. But uh, the 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 movie that follows that moment, that's where I get ultimately confused as to what Nate Parker's view on religion is, as to what Nat Turner, played by Nate Parker, written by Nate Parker's view on religion is, because ultimately he walks away from that Bible and all we get from the filmmaker Nate Parker and from the character Nat Turner is more religious motif. Which is, uh, we literally get that shot that I know you champion yeah. of of the cross that's in oh, between. And I, and, I, and I mean, I think that is one of the reasons why this film gets a such a high rating for me is because even though I love certain shots of this film, I love certain themes of this film. I I've already mentioned that I love the fact that we have this as a weird dramatic action film also at the end we have it as a romantic film we have it obviously as a slavery slash um, historical drama throughout uh we have this very conflicted feeling on religion throughout this movie and uh that that feeling in that scene that you're referencing right now uh which is in my opinion one of the pivotal scenes of this film after uh nate parker and Nat Turner's character kills Army Hammer's character by driving an axe through his heart. He's laying on the ground dead, and he's staring at him as we have the dramatic epic music behind it, which is something that's completely forgotten from any of the uh, discussions about what this film was, is that this movie, as depicted, was very different from what the actual product was, which was this somewhat epic 
uh, sort of depiction of, of this story, we have this, this, this moment where the camera pans away and we see the cross in between uh, both Army Hammer's character and Nate Parker's portrayal of Nat Turner's yep. character. And even though your takeaway from that was completely different from what mine was, uh, still, I feel like the very interesting moment as we have uh, the sort of religious feeling between the two and the the feeling on what religion means to them as as sort of the conflicted feeling of it, whether it be the way you actually feel about religion, what religion actually means, and how you're actually using it, is why, man, I just, I just eat that, that up in this movie. Because the fact that, for me at least, this film just taps into, big time, uh, the unknowing of, of what religion is and how it is used. And it's just, uh, it's a major part of this film for me. I actually, what you're saying as far as, uh, I, I guess I obviously don't agree on mm-hmm. as to like my own personal experience, but I think what you're touching on is something that might even, unless we have objections to this, but bring us to our final sure. opinions, which yeah. is that this movie is not going to play the same way to anybody. No. Whether they're white, black, Agreed. male, female, whatever. Like, yeah. this is, I will say, at least before, I, I'm not going to, or should I give? You can. You can. Okay. Go, on, go for I'll it. I'll give my final opinion, which is that um, this is a singular experience as to only Nate Parker <laughs> could have made this particular movie. I'm not saying he's the only person who could tell this story. That's for sure. Because I obviously think someone could have done it better and with a little more nuance and purpose. But um, to, I guess to go on to my, uh, my my feelings, I think if there was a better, uh, a better <laughs> handle on, um, on the various things that play uh, – and, and I will say this. I, I feel like I have to say this out loud. From this moment on, when I'm talking about my final opinion, I am only talking about the movie. I am not going to – like this Got This it. is literally everything I'm going to say from now on at this point. You, you've given your feelings on yes. Nate Parker. This, but this is, is just only about the birth of a nation. Yes. Got it. So the movie itself is, I think, kind of a chore and frankly a mess um, when it comes to juggling all of these uh, different genres. But – Frankly, the biggest crime it commits is that it doesn't commit to one particular aspect of Nat Turner's uh, uh, story, I should say, because it wants to recontextualize him in the midst of a, I would call, generic slave drama. It also wants to shed light on, I would think, the religious complexity behind his message and whether he was a messiah or a victim or is his use of religion a man-made thing or a societal systemic uh you know symptom and you know like there there is a lot here that mm-hmm. you you can unpack unfortunately i don't think nate parker the screenwriter and director gives enough for the audience to truly latch onto one thing and i think that that's why ultimately i'm not a fan of this movie um so frankly i i just have to say that i wish this movie was better because i didn't hate it or anything like that uh but uh unfortunately i just i, I just it is so close to being something i would like uh due to the fact that I've never actually heard of Nat Turner before this, and that probably says something about our public education system. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it absolutely says something about it. Um, because all you ever hear about is Harriet Tubman and, you know, a few others. To to kind of chime in, yeah. like, you know, on, on that one point, is, like, the reason why this film was so eagerly anticipated, is like, for a lot of reasons, was also just because it's talking about this sort of um, 
under underspoken like un untalked about sort of corner of like the depiction of slavery is like it, it outside of like Nat Turner and, and his sort of like slave rebellion and like t- his his is the most prominent of slave rebellions obviously yeah. it was the um, only i think successful one in the sense that yeah. it was able to get off the property <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and, and, it, it, but, and this film is is for sure trying to say that it was for the most part uh, a major part of the beginning of the Civil War. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. You know what? We should have talked about that before. Oh, before our final thoughts, because it certainly suggests that in his epilogue. But yeah. you can't suggest something like that in an epilogue. Like I'm not saying I can't understand why someone would, you know, maybe make uh-huh. that connective tissue, but. Yeah. Oh boy, do you really need to? Oh, uh, man, that's that's uh, that's wrong. That's, uh, first, <laughs> yeah. uh, first off, that's wrong. But yeah. but really, really, uh, kind of going yeah. back to what I was talking about before is like the reason why this story was so particular and why why it was so sort of like champion as as people were anticipating it is because the dominant. Um, I would, I would go on a on a on on a limb to say that the the dominant depiction of often the. Uh, the, the 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 phenomena of slavery and the dynamic between uh, the slave master and the the slave is slaves are often depicted as being docile or dim-witted or just like having no voice in particular no form of agency in any way and now you have a, a you mean you want to dress like that yeah ah. like that yeah like that I was just like and now you yeah. have like a like a character who is actually drawn from real life historical occurrence that was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. So yeah. Fight the power. Uh, Could you imagine if that played over the credits? Man, oh my God. Uh, yeah. Like they played over the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. yeah that fucking killed my soul. So I'll end my final thoughts by saying that I think what I'm coming to realize is that the fundamental failure of this movie in my eyes is that for someone who had no idea who Nat Turner was before I saw this movie, the fact that I leave this movie not, I would say, understanding less <laughs> about Nat Turner is ultimately where it fails because it, it I wouldn't fault it if it was a singular uh, depiction of him, like just one aspect, but because it tries to do too many aspects of Nat Turner and frankly glosses over uh, the most either problematic or controversial aspects of Nat Turner's life, uh, it just makes it a careless vanity project like Tucson described it. So I give it one and a half out of five stars because I think it's important that everybody should see it because, frankly, I'm a stupid white person who had no idea who Nat Turner was, so I'm glad I now know. But ultimately, it's only longevity as to what I can get out of it comes from extracurricular materials and not from the movie itself. So one and a half out of five. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to echo... A majority of of Nick's sentiments. I think that, as as he said, uh, echoing mine is like I think that this is really just rings as a vanity project. Um, I will disagree with an earlier um, statement from Nick, and that I think that Please. this this film will be remembered in so far as much as as uh, Nate Parker has a career. <laughs> it will forever be known and yeah. associated with his careers, like as it is. It's a cautionary tale. It, it's a cautionary tale, and it's also like it, it's just one of Boys, those. Boys, zip up your jeans. Oh God, uh, it, 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 it'll be remembered for being acquired for the amount of money that it had. It'll be be remembered 
not only for the people who were there at Sundance who first saw it or the people who saw it afterwards. Now, now I will say this really quickly. If this film is nominated for like six or seven Oscars, it still has a good chance of at least making money at the theater. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and, but probably being re released too. At, at, at the time of talking about it on this episode, it has been a huge, colossal failure oh, at the yeah. box office. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Couldn't, well, can't, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but can't continue to compete, Can't compete with Suicide Squad, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? We're the slavers. It's what we do. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I'm going to yeah. turn my microphone off. Yeah, but this, this film. It was just really problematic with, for me for a lot of different reasons, uh, notwithstanding with uh, Nate Parker's uh, involvement and in his entire embodiment of this entire film. The fact that he has to play the, the main character just adds a lot of unsightly dimensions to an already very complicated character, especially with his depiction. The use of sexual violence that I said before is like, I just don't like the way that it's used in this. I don't feel like it's... It, it's it's meaningful. I feel like it's exploitive. I think that it's ultimately used to amplify his sort of like ascendant, like Nat, Nate Tucker, Nat Tucker's uh, ascendancy. <laughs> Fuck! God damn it, yes. Nate P- Nat Parker's <laughs> Nat Parker, Nate Parker, Nat Turner's ascendant ascendancy Are into martyrdom. Are all black people the same to you, Tucson? No. I just get the names wrong. Do they all wear sweaters? I mean, come on now. Fuck off. Anyway, um, his ascendancy into martyrdom, and I just think that's really gross to step over somebody's body in their pain like that in order to kind of like amplify. It's it's just this film is not all that it aspires to be, um, but what it does end up inevitably being is a very provocative film that I think that people should see. They should have an opinion about it. It's worthy of having a discussion about this, if only as sort of a segue into talking about sort of the history of uh, Nat Turner. Hmm. Nice. Can I ask you a question before you give your rating? Yeah, what's up? As someone who obviously wasn't at Sundance and had to – hear about this both mm-hmm. from me and Alex and from people who saw it and then of course come to the content whatever did this live up to the stature of a movie <laughs> that had this much you know discussion around it I'm just curious as, not so much as like quality or whatever but that this is is this a less of a deal or as big as a deal see as... it, it, it's, it's interesting that you asked that because I don't know what it was about it it's like I I heard what the movie was called and I heard what the movie was about and I was like, Oh wait, I already know how this ends. I already know the beginning, middle and end of this story. I already know it. I'm looking forward to seeing Spoilers. it, but I'm, but I'm not like jumping over. Like, oh my God. I was like, I didn't know about this. Can't wait to go see it. Gotta see my Nate Tucker. Gotta see my Nate, Nate Turner. Fuck you. It's <laughs> like, Hey, um, I, 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 By the way, can we do a Chinatown esque uh, introduction to this episode where you just take every time Tucson said Nate Tucker? I've tried to mark it, so we'll <laughs> <laughs> so continue, Tucson. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I feel like this fits the mold of that sort of prestige that one would assign to like a Sundance darling. I don't think that personally for me that the hype really lived up to it. Obviously, is just it's. It's just one of those films. Yeah. Is like, yeah, it's it doesn't really do anything for me. I have to say that I give this a rating of two out of five. Um, I think that you should see this film. I think that um, 
I, I, I would recommend it on the basis of like it's it's going to be one of those films that's going to be talked about at least for like the next like six months like leading up into Oscar season and well past it. And I feel like it's it's something that we should we, we should talk about and we should we should actually like see. It's like don't don't take it as a historical text. Obviously, don't take it as a as a marker of the. Of, of the quality of the director or, or anything like that. Just, like, go see Or it. even as a representation of, like, what to strive for in black cinema. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest absolutely. thing. Absolutely, yeah. As much as Nate Parker himself may have been wrongly uh, at the helm of this historical whatever, like, he also – I wouldn't say he has a responsibility, mm-hmm. but we, we, we can't, as a culture – put this up on a pedestal that it should not uh, be indicative of. This is the one black director, and we will judge everything by the merit of what they do, and if they do a bad job, oh man, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, for the most part, absolutely love this movie. Yeah. I I have to say that I really enjoyed the way that this film tells its story throughout. I enjoyed the storytelling, different motifs that this movie uses, that the fact that, that we have different kinds of storytelling going on here, whether it be a love story, a slavery story, a dramatic storytelling, an action film at some point, which is really... Certainly. Yeah. Especially in the, the last half sure. hour. Sure. Uh, and I will say, too, something we haven't really talked about. The last half hour of this film is clearly the best part of it, whether you like it or not. Yeah. It's, I would say it's the only time in which Nate Parker, the screenwriter and creator of this movie, it sticks to his guns of like being provocative for good measure instead of... Uh, other measures. Yeah. And and we have something that I've hit on uh, quite a bit in this episode, which is that this film's take on religion is something that I think is uh, being missed by people when they talk about this film, good or bad. I mean, whether you, you feel that he's has one message or another here, he's clearly saying something about religion, and I think it is up for debate. So, yeah. Like I, religion. <laughs> oh. Man. I uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it had a lot uh, to say. I thought it had a lot to grasp in terms of viewer. I thought it had some just fantastic shots uh, and some fantastic scenes. Uh, the the shot of Penelope and Miller sitting just completely blank faced at the dinner table after Army uh, Army Hammer has just enveloped the uh, white slaver. We haven't talked anything about him as a character. He plays this very bizarre... I think that's for yeah, good it, it, reason. Yeah, he's not anything to say about this movie, but at the same time, his character uh, brings this very interesting, weird uh, leader of, of this plantation. Definitely a different take than we saw in Michael Fassbender in 12 Years a Slave, A different I would say. take from him, but yes. not a different take from all white people in 12 Years a Slave. No! Benedict Cumberbatch's character was essentially a similar archetype of a white slaver. At the beginning, sure, but... Oh, yeah. Well, I'd I say the movie exposes the, right. the fraudness of that. But but, yes. but he, he definitely, I would say, Army Hammer's character has way more depth than Benedict Cumberbatch's character had. Whoa. Okay. Maybe more, maybe more screen time. We gotta watch that. Movie I was gonna say together. Uh, that, that's a discussion for a different day, at least. Yeah. Let's do it for uh, Black History Month. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> February favorites. So uh, I will end this by saying that I um, I'm standing out from 
uh, Nick and Toussaint because I really did enjoy this film. I thought it brought a lot to the table, and I always give um, rookie filmmakers at least some credit for being their first time out, especially when they're trying a project uh, of this size and scope as uh, as Nate Parker was. Um, so I will say that I give this film a four and a half out of five because I still do genuinely think it's a terrific film that not necessarily everyone should see, but people who, who want to see uh, the way that storytelling can be done in film and with this kind of uh, discussion on both slavery and religion and the way they're intermixed. And uh, it, it's just a film that I at least breeds discussion and feeling on which is uh something that uh we need in cinema whether it be good or bad and in my feeling this one was good nick i just really quickly wanted to ask um is this at the moment still in contention for your favorite film of the year uh it's you don't con- even have to say what is your favorite yeah sure i know because we'll, we'll do an episode yeah, on that but i'm it's, just curious so it, it will um or is that still up in the air no, it, it's going to be in my top six of, okay. of, of the entire year. It's curious. not going to be number one. Okay. Because no no, I think at, at least at the point of Sundance, it yes. was in contention for it. Um, I have one film that is clearly number one that in yeah. all likelihood, unless something creeps up that I'm not expecting, will be number one at the unless, end of the year. you know, like a rape allegation comes out. No, <laughs> no the film that I'm yeah. going to give uh, my top rating of the year to uh, – even though I guess I would say uh, at, at, at the time, and this was you know, months and months ago, I gave Birth of a Nation a better uh, spot on my year rankings. The other film I feel like uh, is not in contention to drop down in terms of my rating because I, as, as you know, Nick, because we saw this film at the same time, we I did. absolutely loved and had lots of reasons why you gave I liked me a it. Hug. After we watched yeah. that movie, yeah, no, I, I mean, I've got, uh, I've did. got, I've got very valid reasons to why I like the film that I have as my top film, and it's, uh, it's not probably going to be beaten this year. But at the same time, um, Birth of a Nation will be in my top six unless something crazy happens for the rest of the year. Doctor and I, Strange, sure, uh, <laughs> and and I think uh, this is a a really good film that uh, and. I got to say, I'm not necessarily, I don't think, a complete outlier because I think a lot of people really did like Birth of a Nation, that I'm not like a crazy person with my my, feelings on it. Man, shut the fuck up. (laughs) But um, we'll see what happens. But I'm just looking for the Lego, the Birth of a Nation video game for that. Wouldn't that be some? It's got to have Will Arnett too, right? Oh, my God. (laughs) So I felt like bringing that back up. And it was a good one. I, I liked it. On our next episode... Uh, Toussaint's uh, giving me a look right now. Yeah. And, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you after we're done. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we are I'm going to trouble. talk about the 1982 horror classic, yep. which is John Carpenter's The Thing. And uh, this is a film that I know Toussaint absolutely adores. I do. And I know, Nick, you also have enjoyed it. I very much. I've actually, before when we're recording this, I've actually never seen it. What? So I know you guys are excited for me to at least give a first I'll be curious. I'm it. always, at this point, curious to know what you think of any horror movie, because it's just not your genre, so to speak. So uh, I think there's a good chance you could like this. 
And but I uh, have no idea. Just talking just about John Carpenter, and we'll obviously speak more about this on episode eighty six. Uh, but is this is this the film that people remember him for? Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. That about John Carpenter. John Carpenter is no, but but this is obviously it's historically this a, or Halloween. Right. I mean, right. it's, it's, this is one of his most iconic films. And why I'm interested to talk about is it the most historic film for John Carpenter? I mean, John, for for, I, for a director as... like John Carpenter, it's really. It, it's disingenuous to try to like attach any one thing to it. I think that Halloween is probably. I'll like, say this: my my preview of that opinion is the idea that uh, Halloween has a far more far-reaching grasp and influence on the uh, cinematic uh, okay. whole. When, but the thing might be his best singular achievement. Yeah, yeah, that 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 pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Sorry that so, I'm so fucking amazing and articulate. Wow. No, but yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much blowing. Yeah. Thank, thank you, sir. Yeah. So that's May something to look another. forward to on next week's episode. Uh, if you have any thoughts on either The Thing or John Carpenter or Birth of a Nation, you can always send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us and all of our episodes on filmtankshow.com or on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can sometimes find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. From Nick Cheney to Sonic and myself, Alex Deakman, thank you, as always, for listening to this episode of Film Tank. And we'll catch up with you next time.